you're quite close to a town you're walking around in like shorts and your t-shirt or whatever and like we would have locals come up to us and like just like an old Italian lady came up to me and like patted my leg and just went strong and I, <laughs> and I went I went yeah and she goes what what sport what sport and I go oh uh Canitaggio she was like oh see see <laughs> but like other times they came up to us and like this this didn't happen to me because I mean if this happened to me I would have cried but this woman came up to a bunch of us and she was like stroking arms and she goes rugby rugby and the girls were like what <laughs> like, as if you think it's acceptable just to come up to us touch us and then be like like just naming like random sports Hey, what is up? Welcome to Last Row Counts. Today's guest is a world champion in the women's squad. And as we pointed out, the master or mistress of the oh. Thames. Please welcome <laughs> Lola Anderson to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, well, yeah, again, uh, did this one in Leander, so uh, it wasn't too far for you, but I'm um, in the middle of your break. So and I appreciate you yeah, taking some time out to come and come and chat to us. Thanks for um, having me. We said in a fun one, our first uh, Newcastle alumni. I don't know how we've <laughs> avoided all the others so far, um, but it'll be yeah. fun, fun to get into that one as well. And it's the first athlete after the 2023 World Championships yeah. that we've got on the podcast. So it's a privilege to have you on here. On holiday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're away in like really nice places. <laughs> <laughs> what, nicer than the Leander Library? No, it can't be nicer than this. Uh, it's a nice You're place, right. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I think, uh, like we said, like... Uh, Let's talk about worlds. How how was that as an experience? Um, yeah, I find it quite hard to sum up, to be honest, because so obviously, like you spend such like long chunks of time with your training, um, just like your mental preparation, everything like for one race. That when you get there, like sometimes it can just fly by like really quickly. Um, like having a crew boat, I really actually I think I prefer that because you've got friends and support around you like constantly so like it really helps like offset the stress so you can kind of just like enjoy it more um but yeah like this world is obviously really special like anyone where you come away and you're like really proud of the result like it's always going to feel like it was like yeah like golden memories <laughs> um, did you feel how was it through the world cup series like were you confident <clears throat> obviously you medaled a year before so yeah. presumably you were kind of confident that that's where you were aiming so i had had quite like a rocky season like into um like the world championships because so final trials like as you know like that's how we then get selected to go into crew boats and we'd done some like seat racing and testing before that um that luckily had gone well but I actually wasn't able to race final trials because I was injured and I then missed uh European championships I got back in for world cup two and then was injured for World Cup three again because I had like a slight relapse of my injury. You missed out on Henley, didn't you? I missed out on Henley, like well, half of Henley. I managed to race the first two races and then like not the final, got injured the night before or the day before the final. So that was really fun. Um, but got back in the boat for Worlds, which was obviously like the important part. But in terms of preparation, like through the World Cup series, we'd had a good row against the Chinese at World Cup two, but then... We didn't, I didn't get to test myself again until the world championships. So it was a really weird year because actually like confidence wise in terms of where you feel like as a racer, I actually was kind of like left 
uh, a little bit in the dark. I didn't really know where I was at for a lot of the year. Did you find that challenging or was that like something that you enjoy, that kind of challenge for oh. training and motivation? <laughs> um, a bit of both. Like I think more more times than not like challenging just because like if you're doing all the hard training in the winter and then you don't actually get to test your speed, like that is first and foremost, like just disappointing because mm. you kind of sat there being like, you're nervous to race and you're nervous because you hope it doesn't go like badly. But then when that opportunity to even try gets taken away from you, then it's just like disappointing. Um, and then, yeah, like World Cup 2 had like felt like I'd rehabbed really well. And so was feeling strong, feeling confident. Um, and then came in, it went well. We were all really happy on cloud nine, go through to Henley. I'm thinking, oh, this will be really cool. I think we've got quite a good shot of trying to win here. And then, yeah, I was just like warming up down to the start and like pinged something in my back and then was out for another like month or so back on like the bike and in the pool. And like that was quite a demoralizing time, to be honest. S swimming in the pool or just aqua jogging? <laughs> swimming, swimming, swimming. There were plenty of um, uh, people doing that sort of like aqua, like aerobic sessions like next to you. And you're just like swimming along being like, why am I here right Are now? Are you swimming up in, is it the pool up in Henley? So Nuffield. I was a little bit sometimes there. I think it's like Gillett's, Gillett's pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then most of the time I'd go to one in Maidenhead, yeah. like the Bray Braywick. Gillets. Right. I was in yeah. Gillets for ages and for a long time. It's tiny though. Luckily, well, it? it's tiny. Yeah. Luckily, when I first went, um, Vicky Bryant, I don't know if you remember, back in the day, she was under 23 yeah. gold medalist. She was hurt as well. So we were both aqua jogging there. And yeah. it's like, we'd got to know all that, all like the pensioners, like, hi, Gerald. Oh, like, how are you doing, yeah. Susan? Like, And they're so friendly, like the swimming community. Because then yeah. when we're at like um, that leisure center in, uh, I think it's Maidenhead that I was going to with a bunch of other girls that also were sort of doing a little bit of swim rehab. We were making friends with like swimming clubs yeah. and they were like offering for us to come and join. We were sat there like, well, you know, if the rowing actually doesn't work out, then yeah, maybe like just, <laughs> just for fun. But if you can swim, it's good. Like, yeah, yeah, the first time it's literally you just in the deep end and just jog like on yeah. the spot for an hour. And yeah. it's just like mind numbing. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> if you're allowed to swim, that's a bit better. Yeah. So how soon after um, that second like lot of injury were you, told or were you confident that you could get back in time for world championships was it kind um, of like a bit of a race against time so uh after that so the, they, were, they were trying to work out what was actually fully wrong with me um that second time round because they thought that i had just sort of uh like sort of snapped something in my back ligament wise and that because i'd had a back injury earlier on that year my back like seized up and wasn't sort of moving or wasn't mobile because it was protecting itself in the way that it knew how to from earlier on. So they said, you shouldn't have to sort of redo your rehab because you're basically just going down two steps. You've not lost all of the progress. So it should be fine once the inflammation goes down. Okay. But the inflammation was just taking a really long time to go down. So they were saying like, you're fine. Like you're going back in the boat as soon as you're ready and we've got subs for that. So don't worry about it. But time was starting to stretch out for quite a long time. And I don't think the coaches or the like medical staff were actually that stressed at this point. This was me getting quite like um, anxious because I was feeling fairly guilty as well at this point. Because as I say, like I had, we'd done some seat racing at the start of the year and we'd done like other trials at Boston, but I'd missed like the major trials, which is final trials. And I'd still been put in the boat anyways. And at first I thought, okay, no, it's fine. Cause I've only missed like a month. But when you feel like you've missed coming on to like half of the season which it actually hadn't been that much but in my head I was getting quite dramatic I started just to feel like well if you don't get in like 
now why do you deserve to go back in because everyone else is training their ass off and you're here like training hard on a bike or in the pool but you're not you're not in the boat mm-hmm. and then when you do get back the pr- it's like i need to perform yeah. yeah yeah the pressure you put the pressure on yourself and, and they'd had a really good performance at that third world cup you know they'd beat the chinese which had you know hadn't been done before and we had been close to them at um the second world cup but we hadn't beaten them at that in that race we'd had a week together in that combination and then we went out to row so we were really happy with that result but still they they got a better result technically in that sense without me and so i was sat there thinking you know why why would they want to hold this seat for me at this point because what have i actually done um yeah that's super tough i've been in that situation before as well like yeah sat at home watching the world cup like watching the boat that you're supposed yeah. to be in do really well and be like ah this is gonna be this could yeah. be bad yeah and i was like i was genuinely like very happy for them because we do have a good relationship with all of the girls in the squad but then yeah as you say like you're sat there and like your anxiety is sat there kicking in saying okay well like what ha- what happens to me now like happy for them but what does that mean for me mm-hmm. and you know you sat there as i said i was sat there thinking well why would why would you go back in at this point because what ha- like these girls have have got that result they deserve the work and effort and everything they've put into it so so dealing dealing with that pressure that kind of voice in your head is there a way that you found to deal with it or is it just a case of like one one oh, foot in front of the really, other it's really healthy my my way of dealing with stress and anxiety is to row so when i'm stressed okay. and i'm anxious about rowing but i can't row because i'm injured yeah. you can see how that that just really spirals quite quickly for uh-huh. me so i need to work out some other ways like i like to bake and i like to well i think exercise is the one for me but as i say when i'm injured can't really do that so when i'm stressed out because of injury i'll just bake but then i get stressed that i'm eating too much cookies <laughs> and i can get like back in the boat like five kilos heavier so i remember I'm, like stressing myself out <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it now in like, lockdown <laughs> in lockdown my wife started baking and she just doesn't doesn't really eat a lot of sweet stuff because no, i don't want to eat it all of a sudden it. yeah there's yeah. just like cakes everywhere yeah. i was just like i'm gonna get so i was fat. like bringing baked goods in or i was telling the guys at cav like oh i made like a banoffee pie today and i made too much like whipped cream which i just put in with like sugar and vanilla so i just like gave a bowl of it to my housemate who's in the eight with them they were sat there like <laughs> can you not just feed our teammate like just bowls of cream and sugar yeah. and I was there like no way you wouldn't like that but I don't want to eat it and I don't want to throw it away so yeah, yeah. to I, him yeah to I imagine him. if he kept bringing up like banoffee pies and all that sort of thing yeah. into Kavisham the lightweights would absolutely hate you yeah they'd be like keep dropping them off in the coach's office no to like... be fair yeah when they've when they get their like they call it like a uh, like a free week basically but like when they finish their weigh-in um i have brought in like cakes and stuff for them before because i'll always talk to them about like what i'm baking and then i'm like well here you go you can actually have it now but. something came up on my facebook it must have been i guess like oh, like 2011 mm. under 23s maybe it was like uh me fletcher and um kirkwood it's like check in at the airport after worlds and like i remember it like fletcher's ordered like 14 burgers or something <laughs> for like post world's mcdonald's meal honestly fair enough they just go that just goes straight back out because you can't your stomach can't handle that when they can die like honestly like the lengths that lightweights have to go to i find it both impressive and terrifying yeah like there is no way that i could do that yeah i i just i couldn't i'd be a miserable person and they come in and they're like smiling and still cracking on with all the training like the one benefit of training your ass off is yeah. that you can eat whatever you want imagine yeah. being hungry for 10 years i know that's I know. the story i have done from yeah there was a i think it was jane hall told me a story of a lightweight who quit like on camp and he was just always like a miserable guy and they came down for breakfast the next morning and he was like super happy everyone was thinking like oh he's 
you know, he's going to be gutted. Like he's he's yeah. done. He's had enough. He's done. He's going home. And he's like super happy. And she was like, uh, "Hey, like you you seem all right about the decision." He was like, "I have been hungry for ten years." Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "I'm so happy. I'm, <laughs> like, so, happy. I'm so done." So uh, that kind uh, of breaks my heart a little bit, though, as well. You know, just to hear that I've been tough. hungry for ten years, and you think, "Oh my god." I get grouchy if I'm hungry for ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> So then uh, going into into the actual event then, mm. um, confident, I spent some time, obviously you've been in Varese, like you said, for yeah. about a month. So yeah. when you went out to Varese, did you did you know that you were kind of going to get back in the squad or was that still like a fight then where you no. still on the bike in the rehab process? I was, I was going out having been selected in the quad, but we had to sit down with like quite an intensive like planning schedule to work out, okay, so travel day, like that will affect your back. So this is what you're going to do in the build-up to travel day and this is what you're going to do out of it. And then when we arrive, like we've got scheduled down two rows, but we're going to swap these rows around so that you can do the hard one second and you can do a bike first type thing. Like just trying to work out ways that we could manage and offload my body within being in a crew boat. Cause that's obviously that was part of the guilt where I was sat there being like, well, when I come back in, I'm, I'm going to be dictating quite a lot of like what we can and can't yeah. do. And is that really good enough when like if a coach says we are doing these sessions because these sessions will get you a gold medal and you're sat there being like, well, I can only do like 75% of them. Like, yeah, how yeah. fair is that on the rest of the crew? But we did manage. It took me like two weeks, I guess, of being on training camp before I was able to do like proper full mileage as everyone else. So at that point, it probably been about like four weeks of rehabbing after Henley before I was then kind of back in totally normal yeah I think it's really good to like see them approach your situation from more sort of like an individual case by case mm. and then to to actually like give you enough time and you might think like oh is that fair on on the rest of the crew well this isn't like your first performance so they, they kind of like are putting trust into you they know what you can what you can produce so that's yeah, from yeah. team management that's kind of fair enough yeah I like that I think what I said like maybe 10 years ago is that when I was in the team? Jesus. Like maybe like some of the shortcomings were that it wasn't individualized enough. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool to, to hear that that's yeah. happening. I think they are definitely like pivoting on that to sort of be like, if you want to get the most out of the team, like you need to get the most out of your individuals. Yeah. Um, and like my, my boat never made me feel guilty. Like they were always happy to be like, whatever you need, will do. And that's fine. It's just, as you say, like as athletes, you never want to feel like you're slowing or dragging a project yeah. sort of like behind to sort of fit to your pace. Like I want to be like, I want to be a teammate, not an individual yeah. in a crew boat. Um, so going through that camp, I had highs and lows of feeling like confident and feeling a little bit like uncertain because obviously even after you've rehabbed and I was still sort of like keeping on top of all of my physio and my exercises that I do for like activation throughout the camp. I had to sort of relearn how I confidently row mm -hmm. because like my rowing style, I feel like I pick up, um, I'm quite like front loaded. Whereas like other girls in my boat are really good at pressing through the back. Like I can be quite weak around the back end, but quite sharp around the catch. And so in particular with like a bad back, I was feeling like quite scared sometimes with, oh my God, am I going to pop my back again on this one random stroke on training camp? So it took quite a while just to Susie outside it took quite a while just to um get like back into it all um stop if you want to say hi yeah, yeah I was feeling like a little bit awkward sometimes in, in my sessions because I knew how I wanted to row but I didn't feel like physically confident doing it and then I'd get frustrated at myself thinking you know like again you've taken someone's seat here that like is physically able to do this and you can't can't really be sat here sort of fighting yourself over something that is like you either do it or you don't so after a while it just became a sort of a matter of like don't think about it and just do it and yeah. the more times I did that 
started to feel more confident. And then, yeah, like in the last like two weeks before flying out to Worlds, that was when I started to feel like I was rowing normally. Because, yeah, you don't want to come into a boat that you've been selected in, but you don't really feel like you've done a lot to be selected into it. You don't want to come into that boat then thinking you're not actually bringing your best rowing. So without that, I wasn't feeling that confident. Like I felt confident in the boat, but I didn't feel confident in myself. But this, so this year is like the first year you've had problems with your back? Yeah, so yeah. kind kind of. So I'd had, uh, like after that COVID year, I'd had a slight like back problem, which I was here at Leander at the time, not part of the team. And I just spent about like six or so months on the bike. And I think I'd sort of like just, uh, I think I'd actually caused my, disc my bulging disc problem during lockdown because i couldn't think of anything worse than sitting on the erg on my own and i just got really bored so i just started doing loads of like garage weights and i just became obsessed with like deadlifting and deadlifting with awful technique and i remember doing a deadlift one day where i was like something doesn't feel quite right but like not awful and then went to row at leander within like the first week i was like it's really uncomfortable rocking over and backwards and um we never got a scan but we just sort of let it die down over the next like six months. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. that was then when I went to do trials, went to World Cup, uh, raced uh, Henley in my single, et cetera, and then came in the team. Um, so our team doctor, Anne, says she thinks that this bulging disc that cropped up this year actually has just been like underlying for the yeah. past year and a bit. But my body was kind of like dealing with the inflammation and the recovery fine. It definitely yeah. takes time, like first injury, like getting, like you said, like getting confidence back. Like I remember when Anne, I remember Anne speaking to me about it and being like, now you've had a problem with your back. You need to understand that you'll always be aware of it. Mm. Whereas like before having had an injury, you, like exactly what you're saying, you can just push. I yeah. don't care. Like I'm just going to rag the crap out of myself. And yeah. then now you, you, there's always going to be like, oh my God, did it go? And yeah. there's like that comment, how is it, how's it feeling? Is it more tight today? Yeah. And like, you just have to like reset to a new level of like awareness. But I think that's just becoming like a more rounded but, uh, athlete because you're not going to work at this level and not get injured. So it's just something like what you've been through this year is just learning how to yeah. deal with that. That's what all the coaches were saying. Like Darren, the head women's lightweight coach, he was... Uh, he, he kept saying comments being like, no one no one goes to the Olympics in the end, Lola, without like a bulging disc here or there. And I was like, really? That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Like, here or there. <laughs> really? Just, just what like, you want to hear. We're not there yet anyways. We're still like two years out. So that's yeah. reassuring that, you know, it's just two years early, but that's, I think that's fine. Pete laughs sometimes when we have someone on here you know like our back problems i'll be like l4 l5 l5 s1 they're like yeah l5 yeah. s1 like x-ray guided or not no like, yeah no i went x-ray like it's, it's, it's like another like language it's yeah. just like yes no okay if no then this and you say yes yes and you just yeah. like flip through the answers i'm very lucky i managed to get away without any back problems so i didn't do yeah. it long enough yeah no that's that's it that's it i quit yeah. too early so yeah so then coming into world's confidence at that point you feel like you're back at full full strength quads running nice yeah we'd done some like training pieces and like uh i don't know how much you know about the training program that we do apart from it's obviously gonna be hard and it's intense um but like andy always puts in loads of like really intense pieces in the middle of like intense blocks so you are very run down you are very fatigued and you've got lots of lactate in your legs and the point is just to sort of like you're going to do this 2k or you're going to do several 2Ks or longer pieces, whatever it is. You're going to do them flat out and you're going to get to the end and you're going to realize you can do that. Mm. Um, so we would, it was a peace day like that. And we put in like a good time for the conditions. And we were feeling like really quite good. And that was when I started then thinking, okay, I might not have been able to race 
like that last World Cup, didn't get to race Europeans. But realistically, like, has it actually slowed us down? No, because that that's a quick time and we're happy yeah. with that going in. So was feeling confident in the build-up, yeah. Yeah, and then how did, like, heat, heat semi... What did you have, heat semi-final? Heat semi-final. Yeah, heat semi-final. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually was really nervous for the heats, and I think I've noticed this now more. I think the heat is the race that I'm always, like, the most nervous for, just because, especially this year, as I say, like, after having said that I was feeling confident going in, like, I was feeling confident that I wasn't going to, like, mess the boat up, but you don't really know where that crew stands yeah. when you haven't raced on the world stage you really don't know where you stand. So I was feeling confident going in, but then you just really don't know when you go to that first race, like where actually are you in the field? Yeah. So I was very nervous for that one, but like, you know, it wasn't our most polished row, but it was it was good, it was fine. We got through comfortably. And then the semi, we had more competition to go against that we would sort of expect to see in the final, the A final. Mm. And so, that was a good one to sort of like test ourselves against and that also went well and then by the time that you get to the final I think I was actually most relaxed for that one because it was kind of at that point sat there thinking um I don't like to think too much about like the end result I would rather think about the process and being in the moment and I was saying that we've already done two races where they haven't been perfect they haven't been flawless but they've they've still been like good in comparison with the field so so long as we come off the water and we have a row where you can turn around and say that felt like good rowing for us like that's all I really want out of the race because a like you want to just come away feeling satisfied that your preparation has, has actually been worth something but yeah if you do that then the results should be good enough anyways so. yeah I think like you're saying like when, in terms of the training like that's kind of what you're being taught isn't it it's not about being perfect it's about being it's about doing the best you can where you are right now like yeah. I think you can like really put yourself off in a race if it's like conditions are bad or this or that's off and you're like oh shit that wasn't absolutely perfect yeah you know, it's like what's our best right now right yeah. here and it's confidence to go out and do that yeah yeah I think you've nailed it like you know you can only feel satisfied if you feel like you've left nothing else yeah. behind and if you don't have a good row it's it's hard not to like think what if etc like yeah. going into the other races so how'd it go final then it was good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, yeah, it was good because <laughs> we won. Um, yeah. So I think obviously like as teammates go and we all have different like strategies and stuff, but we did say that we didn't want to fixate too much on any boat because if you fixate on one boat, you can kind of mm. give a window for another crew that you're not expecting to do well, sort of like sneak on by. And also, yeah, like if that boat is just better at the end of the day, then you don't want to get disappointed that you're not sort of living up to the standards you've set yourself. So we knew comparatively like our start is quite slow in comparison to the other boats, but we feel like our mid pace was, was a strength of ours. So we could just sit there. And if we did that and we sort of stayed connected with boats out of the start, by the time we'd get to like that last 600, we should be able to look at like trying to chip through and chip away. Um, and I think it was just very calm and very relaxed. Like looking back on it, I didn't realize that it was quite so close because mm. we were just very internal. And like I could sort of see and, and feel the Dutch around us. And so I wasn't really panicked, to be honest, because we were just stepping through, enjoying our race, like following Georgie's rhythm. And it just felt just felt smooth and long. At what yeah. point did you come out into the lead? I think it was maybe like 500. Yeah. I think it was around that point. Like we had overlap with them coming through the K. And we know that our second K, we tend to sort of like step on a bit more than the others. So at that point, I did feel very like calm because I thought, that we would be able to sort of move through them 
Um, they did sort of hold on, I think, looking back on the race longer than we had sort of like prepped in our sort of uh, race preparation for what we would have expected from the race. But we had we had somewhere to build in our last 500. So. And then, so did you know coming through the line, you were like, you could Yeah, tell. no, I knew. I knew. I, I, I'd always tell people not to look out of the boat. So sorry to my teammates because they don't do it. But if they did do it, I'd be like, eyes in. But I always have my eyes out <laughs> because I'm kind of sat there like, looking like peripherally and I'm looking around and it's nice to sort of like how could you have, not have a quick sort of glance and then I can tell Georgie what's happening and you know likewise like Lauren will keep us updated but every now and then like I can tell that in the sterns like Georgie and I like don't know quite as much as what the bows know because they see more mm. and so for me I like to just kind of look out and be like okay we're good like one yeah. or two or like we're moving through and it's it's literally just a one-liner but she, it yeah. gets her excited and then <laughs> do, do as I say, not do as I do. Yeah, yeah I know. Look, like, she poor Georgie. Like she could sort of like even just like turn her head to the side. Cause she's like stretching her neck, and I'd be like, "Don't look out the way." <laughs> <laughs> she sat there like. <laughs> so crossing the line, good feeling. Yeah, yeah. How was it? I, Epic. I mean, so straight away I could hear like Hannah crying, <laughs> and then the boat just sort of like wobbled about massively, and I thought, "Oh my god, what's happened?" And like Lauren, I didn't realize at the time, but she'd thrown her hands up, and then her blades had sort of like dug and yeah. sort of stuck right in the air twisted one gate round and completely lost the other blade so she we had like no one really sort of stabilizing that so i was like why is the boat moving so much because like <laughs> hannah is like bawling her eyes out crying i was just kind of in shock because to be honest i finished as i say like i like to stay more in the process of the moment so we finished and i just kind of went thank god that's done like yeah. that's that's over but it took me like a while to sort of really feel like the full uh, sort of like hit of emotions but when you're surrounded by everybody that is just like you can just feel their energy and their positivity their happiness just like the relief everything it just makes you feel like so like hyper like just running around like kids just like screaming yeah. laughing like everything was it was impossible for anything to be like bad that day because everybody was just so happy yeah so that was that, really nice that's kind of how jack beaumont described winning the silver at uh, the Lovely, tokyo olympics yeah. it's like nothing could have gone bad that day <laughs> no are there any uh, are there any like particular songs memories calls that, from that campaign that like you can you can like remember back in time and oh, just hannah, hannah and i shared a room for um for az world cup too and then we shared over the world championships as well and we always found songs that literally like everyone hated in the boat but we were just well they hated it because we played them like non-stop there was never any other song there was no songs queued it was just like repeat 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 <laughs> so like lauren hated this song and it was like niall horan that uh, from one direction he has a song called heaven and we we sang it played it like non-stop so she hated that and then there was one that we were listening to because we were watching some like crap TV program when we were out there. We were so bored. You've got so much time. We'd watched, um, it's like on Amazon, it's called The Summer I Turned Pretty. And it's like, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Just know? a trashy. It's so bad, yeah. like so bad, but also really addictive. You just need to switch so off. So good, like so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were watching that and they had like a soundtrack that literally every single song, Hannah would be like, pausing it she'd be like spotify like what's this song and like just honestly it was so funny oh my so, god yeah. i got um one training camp we did the we got into the wire uh-huh and then which is a good series but yeah. then, then you're just like spending like every minute of every day it's like impossible and there's another one away. entourage 
And then the worst one was uh, me and Ollie Cook got into Game of Thrones in a Viz. Uh And then I just like didn't, we didn't see anyone else. It was like from trade, because a Viz as well, you can go from the course, you can go like just like back into your room out the back. So we almost like wouldn't even, we just like run back to our room, like I need to watch more (laughs) Game of Thrones. We watched so many, so so we'd watched one on Apple TV and I always got the name wrong. So I'm probably going to get the name wrong now, but it was about aliens called like invasion i think and it's about these weird like aliens that were coming in and just killing everyone left right and center but this one little boy obviously has some like special mental connection with the aliens and we were obsessed with it but it was also really kind of cut like actually quite scary so after a while of watching that i was kind of relieved that we literally ran out of seasons to watch we watched all yeah, the seasons that were available so i was like okay that's done and then we watched the lioness or lioness that's on like paramount she had like her fire stick which is brilliant you just plug that in the seat and just watch anything we watched disney movies like the new live action like little mermaid so honestly we were just a cinema room like every day it's not much else you can do like you're so knackered yeah you just need to sit down and do nothing like we'd go for a walk and explore some like local coffee shops but we were like where our hotel was was like classic gb rowing it's kind of situated in the middle of nowhere like it was great hotel (laughs) it was it was really nice we were like treated brilliantly but um yeah it was in the middle of nowhere so where we did when i did verazi in uh 2012 we did the europeans there and we stayed at this amazing hotel it's like super posh had like the guy who owned it was like into motor racing had a load of motorbikes in the foyer wow like classic no we haven't stayed there no i know i don't think they stayed there a lot uh but you know i think maybe because it was a regatta like the other normal hotels were like busy or whatever but Mm. that was fun nice awesome Shall we get started into your rowing history and how you got into rowing in the first place? Sure. Rewind. Yeah. Rewind. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I learned to row like at my school, which was Serbson High School. That was the big reveal. No, Um, shout out Serbson. Yeah, yeah, shout out Serbson High School, Green Army. Do you have Pete Robinson? Uh, No. So Pete has joined in years where I've not been rowing there since, but I actually went back after I finished at Newcastle to like coach there for a year. So yeah, I rowed at Surbiton, went to Newcastle in my year out of like before I came to Leander and before COVID, I'd moved back home, rowed at Molesy and then was part-time coaching at Surbiton. COVID hit, bunch of scholars from the US were coming back and they were settling at Leander so I moved to join them at Leander. So we fi- we do all the eggs at Severton. We fix their ergos. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I rode with Pete. They break loads. Nah, they're not too bad. I think not. I rode no, with Pete. shout all the girls and they were like, oh, she's so annoying. I'd be like, be careful with the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Just breaking stuff. I mean, and you then, have to with the novices. I used, to, yeah. I used to live with Tom Cannon as well. Uh, we okay, both yeah, we yeah. both joined Leander in the same year in like 07. Okay. Yeah. Is that the Watlington house? Yeah, yeah. Tom yeah. Cannon oh, okay. used to live in that. Yeah. yeah, three bed, three rooms, five guys. Yeah, it was awful. Okay. Yeah, rowers as well. Okay. So Tom Cannon and uh, another guy I rode with, uh, Ali Webb, they, we've uh-huh. said this before as well, but they shared a room they had a, a room and Tom Cannon just had this massive um, set of like cupboards. So they yeah. just put it up in the middle of the room yeah. to like split the room in half. Yeah. It was like classic Rose house. Just like make do with what you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have any money. No. It was fine. So, so how did you find out about rowing at Surbiton? So um, my dad, he, so my dad's side of the family, they're all Kiwi. This is actually not important. Sorry. Um, he, he learned to row at uni and he learned to row at, Durban University in South Africa, came back uh, or moved to the UK to work in London. My mum had the family and then my eldest sister was looking to join sport and she went to LEH, uh, Lady Mm -hmm. Eleanor Hollis School 
Northampton. She learned to row there. She was very good at rowing. When she was a junior, she went to Junior Worlds like three times and she went off to the States. And I had I have a twin brother and he learned to row maybe like a year before me. And my dad had like taken me down to Tideway Scullers where my brother was like rowing one day. And he was like, oh, are you sure you don't want to try this out, Lola? Are you sure you don't want to try this out? And I have a bit of a fear of like big open water. And I know the I know a river isn't open water, but when you look at the tideway, tideway, yeah. Oh my god, it actually just gave me like nightmares. I honestly, I just because and I capsized a lot. It would turn out when I first started rowing, I used to capsize like every session. So I'm convinced that if I'd started rowing on the tideway, I think I would have quit like immediately. Not because any of the clubs were like not not nice or anything like that, but yeah. purely like I just would have been like absolutely petrified like, yeah, yeah. all the time. So totally scared of water made my profession out of rowing. <laughs> yeah, everyone always says this. I was like, you're supposed to be on the, you're supposed to be on top of it. Yeah, like, not in it. Yeah, so. yeah. true. <laughs> I shouldn't be in it, but true. I capsize a lot. We had another friend who uh, it was always quite funny. She got on training camp. He was really scared, and people would be like, "Oh, he's scared of flying." He's like, "I'm not scared of flying. I'm scared of falling out of the sky." Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can kind of rationalize and like compartmentalize, but yeah, no. So I'd started at Surbiton. And at the time I was like swimming and I used to be like full-time swimming training. I absolutely hated it. Like really, we're just like crying, crying, crying. And that makes it sound bad, but my parents were like, you need to be active. You need to have something that's outside of just academics because it, it makes you sort of just like a happier, more well-rounded person. Um, but I wasn't allowed to quit rowing until I found another sport. And it was like in my first year of being at Surbiton that they introduced a boat club and I was like, okay, great brilliant i'm going i'm going there then and i quit and i didn't really look back because didn't matter how many times i was like capsizing in the river it was it was more fun and i enjoyed better it. than swimming yeah 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 my mum was the same way she used to took us to all different sports but it was like <clears throat> if you do it you do it 100 yeah like, or nothing yeah I used to do i used to play rugby on sundays at the rugby club and uh one saturday like i was still playing rugby and i was rowing and i uh I'd done some hard session or some regatta on Saturday. So it's Sunday I decided I wasn't getting up. My mum was came in, she was like, Come on, you're going to rugby. I was like, No, I'm not going to rugby. Yeah. She leaves the room, comes goes, back yeah. with a with a glass of water. No. And just chucks it on me <laughs> and was like, You're going to rugby. And I was like, yeah. I guess I'm going to rugby. Oh my God. And <laughs> this is the thing, like it's so hard. Like looking back, like at the time I was there, like, I don't want to go to swimming. But like as parents, if you let them just say no, yeah. like every two seconds, and then you actually follow through with being like okay i guess darling you don't have to go like it's fine whatever you want like i would have quit almost everything yeah. like i probably would have quit rowing as well because as i say like i wasn't naturally like that good at it to start and if it wasn't for the fear that i was going to go back to swimming i probably would have just you know i would have been like this isn't for me either that's what it stopped. yeah not the first athlete we've had who rowed to avoid a different sport yeah, yeah which was quite funny yeah. but you said you weren't that good at rowing to start with does that yeah. mean you actually were able to throw or catch anything no no, no i was i i so i did swimming and cross-country running and i did i did enjoy cross-country running but i also didn't really feel like i was that good at it either so to be honest i was floating through sports not really enjoying it because i felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. But then I guess when you start rowing, like nobody really knows what they're doing, mm. which is quite nice. You feel like you don't feel like you're behind yeah. all of a sudden. And I'm, I was behind because I capsized like literally every single day. <laughs> but then we got um, Bill Lucas come in to be our head coach at Surbiton. And he really started to like turn things around for me when he came in. Uh, like I had been sort of progressing uh, in my like local area. But he was the one that kind of came in and was like, look, if you want a trial, like this is what we're going to do. And he he really sort of flipped a switch. 
It's cool. He's at um, Cambridge now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. He yeah, went yeah. from Surbiton to like coach the Swiss, like under 23s maybe, awesome. with Robin Dahl. And then, yeah, came back. Rest yeah. in peace, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So then, yeah, obviously progressing. So you did, when did you get the bug for it? How long did it take? Oh my gosh. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually appreciate it was this early on, but so it was around like London 2012 yeah. and we were watching all of the Olympics. And as I say, at this point, I think I was like late 13 year old Lola. I was watching, uh, I was watching like the Olympics getting ready to go to a training session. And I obviously just got struck by this like massive wave of inspiration. Cause I like got, um, my little mini like Jack Wills diary out. I'm just so embarrassing. Got like a. <laughs> bright pink highlighter and my handwriting shocking like wrote in this tiny it was cool to have like mini diaries so it's uh-huh. literally like this big <laughs> yeah, like yeah. wrote in like fat pink highlighter like across like 10 pages my name is my name is Lola Anderson and it would be my biggest dream in life to go to the Olympics as part of team GB rowing and if possible win a gold medal and then I got really embarrassed by this so I'd like ripped all of the pages out and like thrown them away and my dad, who had been like in charge of like just checking, like collecting all of the bins and stuff from mm-hmm. all of the kids' rooms, had like seen these bright pink like diary entries ripped and like thrown in my bin. And so he fished them out, kept them, and he yeah. said that he he gave them to me like just shortly before he um, passed away because he was like, I was planning to give this to you if you ever actually like made it to the Olympics, or I'll like just embarrass you at your wedding day like one day um but like here like you should have these back so I didn't up until that moment I wasn't really sure when it was that I had just decided that I wanted to do it I was like I guess I've kind of always been a competitive person but there was actually yeah like a moment where I decided this is what like I wanted to do so amazing that's such a cool story yeah it's embarrassing like honestly if the diary was nicer I would like keep it and I sort of do something with it no because as I say it's literally like (laughs) jack wills like embossed paper like the little like pheasant in the background it's like this big and it's my handwriting is just oh it's awful if i if it was nicer and like easier to present i'd probably be a bit more like proud of it and be like she knew what she was gonna try good story do, but... i think by the time you're gonna show that off you're not gonna care what it looks like mm, i think i'm gonna have to keep that hidden i don't i do think that's like it's like in a tiny little tin box somewhere to keep it safe. Yes, yeah, yeah. to get out. Yeah. yeah, have a look at it, but it doesn't have to be on display. Yeah, keep keep it private. I like it yourself. more because it just shows like how much your family and stuff like are there to support you. Because yeah. I mean, I was literally, by the time that he saw that, I was, yeah, 14, 13, watched one Olympic rowing race and capsized like 50 times, hadn't yet probably done a full session without falling in. And he still decided that he was going to keep that because he... I don't know, like, I think parents obviously, like, sometimes quite, uh, like, blindly proud of their daughters, yeah. but he he saw something, and I, I like that. I like the fact that you keep talking about falling in. Like, in my experience, the ones that fall in all the time are just the ones that have the confidence. Like, what actually holds you back is being so scared to, to fall in that you never actually progress. I think I fell in because I was so scared, so I was, like, holding <laughs> on to my handles like this. Yeah. And we were, like, going to do, like, a capsize like uh, skills and drills test where it was like, you're going to do rigger dips and stuff like that. And I literally capsized on my way to that. So I never got to do the rigger dips and stuff. So to this day, <laughs> the boat's like twitching about. I'm like, sit. <laughs> I find it insane that you guys learn how to row in singles. Like it took me like months until I was allowed to go in the single because of the 
whole thing of like do not capsize. I think yeah. quad, I think most of it is called quads. Did you start in a quad or literally go straight? No, up? we started in singles. Wow. They did like our capsize drill was in the river because I know that now you do it in like pools oh, and yeah. stuff. But no, they literally just we rode out of Molsey Boat Club, so you know that like. Yeah nice little like boat push off it which is still quite shallow yeah. i remember being like i'm scared of rivers and they were like well you go <laughs> and it was like the capsized drill like straight into the river and i kept kind of like just sitting there and like rolling in so that my head never went underwater they were like no that doesn't count you have to do it again so i was like as if i failed my capsize <laughs> can't even fall in properly no, i was like well this is how and to be honest for the most part that was actually how i capsized because i'd be scared that i was going to go in and then instead of fighting it i just kind of like flop in and just like roll myself in. <laughs> just give up yeah yeah <laughs> so easy possible. way to finish the session from 2012 then to 2016 was your first gb vest so those four years yeah really start to get obsessed take over the yeah. usual story yeah well because yeah. as i mentioned my my younger my older sister she'd already gone to junior worlds three okay. times how much older than you uh six years okay six years older so she had gone to junior worlds as a j16 17 and 18 and so when I went to GB France, I was like, well, okay, it's not as good as it's not as good as Amber, but that's fine. And then went to Coupe and like narrowly missed out on going to Worlds that year. Which Coupe did you go to? Uh the one in Zeged. Okay, yeah, yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Um and had a lot of fun there, like got two golds, so it was like feeling like I was building mm. in that sense. And then the last year I got got selected to go in the women's quad and we got silver there behind the Chinese. So I was feeling like, yeah, like good. Cause that was the same result that my sister had got. So I was like, oh, we're level now. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. So she was definitely like quite a big source of inspiration for me yeah. growing up. Cause I was like, well, if she could do it, I want to try and do it too. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I got to uni, I was like trying to think about going to under 23s. But as I say, I think I put like a little bit too much pressure on myself. And there were times there in that chunk, like uh, in that under 23 period where like the training was good, the support around me was great, but I was just sort of like eating away at myself, like at the same time. Did you choose Newcastle for rowing? Like, did you decide? Yeah, yeah. so I hadn't, I was not the best, um, I'm not I'm not the best at like preparation and, and like planning. I'm a bit more of a go of the flow kind of person. And at school, I was so fixated on rowing I like just wasn't really thinking about unis for such a long period of time. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh God, this is really exciting, like big adventure coming up. And loads of my friends were talking about Newcastle and how much they loved the city and how much they like loved the atmosphere of the squad. So I did no research into like what the training program was like, what anything was really like, but I just went, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Like, let's go there. Turned up on day one and was like, guess this is me for the next like three years. <laughs> and luckily, like it it really did work out like very well for me. And I made like the best friends from there. Like the coaches were lovely. Like the training was like really hard. And I've mentioned before, like to different people, like the training was for me like a bit of a like a culture shock in that sense, because it's just very different from what I'd been on before. Um, but I think that shock like developed me in ways that I wouldn't have learned to do had I not gone there. I think every any step up from junior is obviously yeah. like another level. 
there's no one's university program where I'm like, oh, that sounds easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or they're not competitive. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, specifically Newcastle, like the sheer volume that you do. Like, you know, you have like new levels of blisters because like the second session on a Sunday is like 10 3Ks and you're like yeah. battle paddling with other people. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So how, like, how was it? Obviously, like uh, in its time now, I mean, I can't even rattle off how many, how many Newcastle people are involved in the team now, like yeah. have been in in their time. So like, what are they, what are they doing? What's what, the special what source? Oh, at Newcastle. Um, I think their training, as you sort of touched on, like when you go to university, it's a, st- a step up no matter where you go. But yeah, I think like the main thing that Newcastle provides people is like an awareness of like their physical and mental boundaries. Because yeah, coming in, I think it was like week one, I'd never swept before. And my head coach goes, oh, well, you'll learn really quickly this way. And he like put me at stroke of the eight and was <laughs> Who is that? Alex Lee. Was it Alex? Yeah, <laughs> no, I was Alex, like, yeah. really? Like, really? And I was sat there being like, like I'm like a young uh, girl come from school, like quite sheltered. I was there like, this could just really mean. And like later on, I was like, fucking dickhead. Like, why did you do that to me? Like, really on my first day? And he was like, well, I thought you'd learn, but you didn't really, did you? Like, you're not very good at sweeping. And I was like, well, maybe if you'd actually like coached me. No, but he did coach me. Like he invested a lot of time into everyone. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is a running joke that to this day, I'm like, I actually can't believe you did that. Like that was literally you being like, this will be fun. (laughs) Like this will be really funny. And it was, it was stressful for me. I was like going up the slide, like I have no idea what to do. And like, it was very much just in my head. Like it's not that hard. They put your blade in Lola. But, um, yeah. That is hilarious. He probably, he probably thought like, if you sit behind some other people, you might get to like, uh, start watching too much etc but if you're in a stroke city you literally like have to like yeah, but figure it out it would have been good for me to watch other people that actually know what they're doing like I'll, eventually i would sit behind people like m ford and like nicole lamb who are like very experienced very like good rowers and so like sitting behind them was like really helpful or like even better being like sandwiched in between them because you feel like okay i'm being looked after and then you get out of your head a bit more but when you're in the stroke seat and everyone's staring at you and you know that not only do you know that you don't know what you're doing, but you know they all know that you don't know what you're doing because he's like announced being like, she's never swept before, like down the megaphone. I sat there like, oh my God, I want to like jump out of this boat right now, but I'm yeah. scared of the river, so no, I don't. We'll have to ask him about it when we get him on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it all went uphill, downhill from there? <laughs> uphill. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was, no one really took themselves too seriously at Newcastle. Like there's no one person that's bigger than the team. And that is also something that like, I would hope all universities have, but I know Newcastle has that. So it means like as terms of like a team bonding experience, like everybody respects and like trusts each other. Um, Like you have the novices that pretty much after like rowing for like two or three months, they get thrown into like Angelo's program, which is intense and it's hard. Um, So, you know, you're sat there thinking, well, if I'm struggling on these 14, 1500s and I'm looking over at this novice who's literally been rowing for three months and they're doing it, well, like if they're doing it, so can I. And it's that sort of like team bonding experience, which like lifts everyone. You're not going to give up first, are you? On any training session. It doesn't matter if Thursday mornings are, are lower body weights than afternoon no. is the 14, 15. Yeah. Just doing it. And that was it. They were saying like, we don't care if you go out the night before and you are like hanging from hell like the next day. Just come and just do the session and that's fine. Like work hard, play hard, do everything that we tell you to do. And you can do whatever you want to do type thing. And that was sort of like yeah. the respect and the freedom that you don't really have as a junior because you're living in your parents' house. You're not going to just like run around like absolute idiots all the time. Yeah. But uni, like we were like just constantly like, yeah, just doing whatever we wanted with your friends. 
but also training hard and having a great time. So yeah, I remember. I remember in Freshers Week turning up to like a three six k ergo. Uh, like I've not slept much. Not UT two though. No, not no, no, UT2. no. Just to clarify, they're never UT two. That three six k's was like as hard as you can threshold. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think UT two exists in Newcastle. No, no. it doesn't. They so, did say that they were like, as soon as you turn up, they go, "Do you like UT two? And I was like, "Yeah." And they went, "Say goodbye." To them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it went. I remember turning up absolutely battered, yeah. fresh as week. Like, you don't get much sleep. You're kind of half hungover. No. Like, my nose is bleeding and I'm about to do this, uh, the last 12K. Yeah. And I'm just kind of showing, like, my bleeding nose to Chiro, who was He's the like coach at the time. Yeah. He's like, and w- what do you want me to do? Yeah. You want to do the session or what? Like, <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. Chiro. <laughs> no, the coach is definitely just like, they just have fun with it a lot of the time and it's easy for them to have fun with it because they're not they're not killing themselves in the I mean, <laughs> session but they they do love and like put everything into that program like they have invested years like decades into yeah. that club and i think it really does show like when you walk through those doors like if you're having a discussion with the coach and you're talking about your frustrations or something like sometimes they'll get frustrated back because mm. for them it's not just like a job to sort of produce medals like they fully believe in like the Newcastle spirit, like the Blue Star, like they always talk about that and everyone always takes the piss being like, oh, Blue Star, Blue Star. But like, they really do believe in like this sort of like Blue Star ethos and like this Blue Star spirit. And like, you can joke about it as much as you want, but like as an alumni network, like we all stay extremely close and we all stay connected. And like, you can look back on those sessions, which at the time you were sat there, like I am freezing, I am in so much pain. And like, why do we have another seven, three Ks to do? Like, what the hell? Like, why? But like, you look back on it now and like, I'm smiling. So it can't have been like yeah, yeah. that bad. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you see that coming through. Like, um, I came up with like some of the old alumni, like Fred yeah. Gill, George yeah. Roster, Mason, um, like to see like the like the passion that they have for the system. Yeah. Like you say, I um, mean, like Sam Arnott and stuff, and like uh, Timmy, uh, Tim Clark, like some of those boys who got like, was it like, I think it was when I was running like Ed Ford, he was like the one with the car, so they used to drive them down and yeah. they had like blue star stickers oh, on the car. Oh, so many blue star and, stickers everywhere. Yeah, like wasn't there some of them had got the blue star tattoo? Oh, so many of, so many boys get yeah. that blue star yeah, tattoo yeah. on them now and some of them are small and some of them are huge. Which yeah. are just like... No, yeah, but you can enough. definitely appreciate like the that they've bought into it obviously they be, you know they believe the system and like we've talked before about you you work harder for your mates and if you're in a yeah. system and you're you trust each other and you have that like trust in the program yeah and like clearly you can see from the athletes that newcastle are putting into the team now like it's obviously working yeah you're not turning up to training being like what's this newcastle thing that like, you go, you walk into into the boathouse and then you see little italy you're like okay i know yeah. where i am yeah <laughs> like the amount of italian that would be like just printed on kit you, you, yeah, you've like, got like the Newcastle's like Canataggio. Canataggio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone was always like, well, what's that? What's that? And then we go on training camps to Italy now. And then, you know, if I'm like, oh, I know some Italian. <laughs> two words. <laughs> Is it two words? No, as in more just like when the locals, the locals always come up to you when you're away. And like the us as a woman, we are the only ones there, the women's squad. But like, you're quite close to a town. You're walking around in like shorts and your t-shirt or whatever. And like, we would have locals come up to us and like, just like an old Italian lady came up to me and like patted my leg and just went strong. And I, and I went, I went, yeah. And she goes, what, what sport? What sport? And I go, oh, uh, Canataggio. And she was like, ah, oh, see, see. <laughs> but like other times they came up to us and like, this, this didn't happen to me. Cause I mean, if this happened to me, I would have cried, but this woman came up to a bunch of us and she was like stroking arms and she goes, rugby, rugby. And the girls were like, <laughs> like, as if you think it's acceptable just to come up to us touch us and then be like 
like just naming like random sports, which like obviously being muscular and everything yeah. is is great. And like as women, like don't it's not like an insult, but they were just naming like the like muscly, like the bodybuilding, rugby, like all of this. And we just sat there like, do you want to ask? Like instead yeah. of just saying like, what do you look like? Just ask. Yeah, yeah. Imagine walking up to like someone who's a bit overweight and tapping them and be like, sumo wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, if that one comes up next, I'm actually just going to turn around and go. It's like, <laughs> yeah, at least that one didn't come up, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was on a, on a flight to France once for a train camp, sat next to a lovely French woman who spoke almost no English, but really wanted to talk to me and find out what sport I was. And I yeah. didn't know the French, everyone. I didn't know it at the yeah. time. And I was just like, because you're sat in like, and so I couldn't really like do the rowing action. So no, I was like, like the, and, I was, and, and she was like, stupid. You're no, like and knitting. I was like, oh my god, like, and I'm looking around, like, no one else is next to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you translate? Like, give me a pen. Or for us, Start it's always, it. it's yeah. always like basketball, basketball. Like yeah. when you're a tall guy, like basketball, like no, no basketball. Like no. Rowing. Oh, is it good to be tall for rowing? Well, look at us. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of deduce that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. So then Newcastle, um, so you, 2017 was your first year. Do you do three years or four? So I joined, yeah, I joined 20, so I left school 2016, joined that September, 16, 17, yeah. then graduated 2019. So then, so the end of Newcastle was your under 23? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had one more year of under 23s after that, but that was yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah, we went to Sarasota, which was like a nice. fun one to go to. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'd actually never been to America, actually. So, I mean, it's not like you're actually going to America when you're or like going these places when you go with a rowing trip. But, yeah, yeah it was like, oh, somewhere new. Um, and, yeah, that was success because we, we we won that. Yeah, we yeah we won that. So, <laughs> we didn't... Nothing more to say. Well, no, I was going to say we won that as well. But I was like, that's such a... That as well is unnecessary. Um, we... Yeah, like we were going into it, like we felt like we were going well. But I think the first couple of races, from what I remember, we kind of struggled to find like our confidence and our footing in it. So by the time that we got to the final, we weren't like seeded in a very good lane and we weren't sort of like watched as a crew to beat. But we hadn't had a row yet that we felt like actually reflected our like rhythm, speed, like all of that. Like we hadn't found our rhythm yet, um, but we did in the final. And obviously it went, it went well. So yeah. So would end. this be the first performance where you beat your older sister did she had she done under 23s? she hadn't done under 23s yeah. so i was very excited good. going to under 23s i was sat there like i'm out of her shadow like yeah. for this like small moment you know yeah. um because up until that point as well like as you said at like the rowing world like everyone seems to know everyone so if i said oh hi my name's lola and they went oh isn't your sat like surname anderson i go yeah and then a couple sentences in or something, you'd be like, do you have an older sister? I say, yeah, a Amber, like Amber Anson. Yeah, Amber, Amber's your older sister. You're her little sister. And I'd be like, yes. It's yeah, funny, like you did that to me uh, when I when I turned up to Newcastle. It was like, what's your name? Pete. Polish Pete, yeah? yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is a good Oh God, I, don't remember, I do not remember doing this so i'm sorry if i made you feel no, awkward no no it was sorry. just no no it was just kind of like you never know if someone like instantly recognizes you yeah. but you don't know whether it's a good connotation or a bad oh, connotation right, yeah. like yeah. is it a good polish beat or yeah. is it a bad you know? it's just any anytime you're referred to as someone's little sister when you're like 20 at this point in time it's not like it's not a bad feeling and it, i wasn't ever like insulted by it but you're kind of sat there like i feel a bit too old to be called someone's like I little rode, sister yeah i rode with matt and george and george has really had enough of being called matt's brother yeah, yeah like matt was you, brother. you don't want to be like, like matt, george. you don't want to be like matt's brother yeah you don't want to be amber's sister yeah. like 
Yeah. I've got the reverse now, whereas, uh, so our, my brother is now dating Susie. Oh, so yeah. obviously 10 years ago, like everyone knew who I was like in rowing and like Art was my brother. He didn't row, but like yeah. he was around a lot. So like Tom Clark's brother. But now I'm like Susie's boyfriend's brother. So it's like <laughs> gone, like, it's gone like it's the gone other way around. around. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's quite fun. Yeah. yeah. So I was just going to ask you, like obviously like, culminating your university experience with the under 23 gold how would you feel Newcastle has sort of like helped you shaped as an athlete what are some of the memories that you look back on some of the hardships some of the fun uh just in general if you if we were to just kind of give a gist of what you can expect yeah. in the blue star um so my personal experience is like quite a hard one to sum up because I feel like um when I talk about rowing at Newcastle, sometimes it can sound like unintentionally negative. Like when I say that for a while, like I put so much pressure on myself that I wasn't enjoying the sport, like that had nothing to do with Newcastle. It just coincided that I was there. But because I was at Newcastle, I think if I'd gone elsewhere, like I could have just fallen through the cracks, to be honest, a little bit. But as discussed, like Newcastle really values their like community, their team spirit, like looking after the club. And so although I had come in with the intent to to just trial and try and go beyond university rowing into what was senior rowing, by the end, they, I was just sat there saying like, I feel like I'm letting you down by saying this, but like, I think I want to kind of like give up on that dream and just find rowing as the sport that I, I love to do again. And once I had found that, as I say, like things bounced back for me and it, it all worked out brilliantly in the end anyways. But the main thing that I look back on when I think about Newcastle is like, yeah, not how hard the training sessions were or like not how um, tough like balancing that sort of work life, university life, like with rowing and um, trying to like have a uni life outside of the sport and trying to get your degree done and everything like that. Like what I remember is just being at that club. I can remember everything from like the changing rooms, how like cramped the crew room would get because everyone's just like squashed in one room. Like, the boats, the when like wading out in like the mud, like all of these experiences, like whether or not they were positive at the time or they or they were like great memories at the time, like everything when I look back is just surrounded by this, like, and we loved it because we were such a close team. Like that team ethos, that sort of community, that spirit was there every day. Like you were having a bad day, somebody was there to pick you up. You were having a good day, you were there to pick someone else up. And that you could just rely on that like nonstop. I had, um, it's a really small story, but like, had a pair of like earrings, which the girls, it's like, oh, that earrings. So sorry if there are any guys listening to this, but I had a pair of earrings that my dad had given me. Um, and he hadn't, he hadn't passed yet, but he, he was unwell during my time at uni, which was part of, I think perhaps why I put so much pressure on myself. Cause I wanted to, to like prove the people that had invested time in me that I was worth investing in. Um, and I had taken off like one of my layers and it ripped the earring off and it had like pinged into the lake or well, not the lake, the river. And I just went, went very quiet for the rest of the session. And at the end, one of the girls behind me who ended up being like president of the boat club and she, don't, she doesn't row there anymore, but she's still hugely part of it, like Kat Bulmer. She knew how much those earrings meant to me. And I just said to her, I was just like, I, I feel sick. Like I've just lost that earring. And like, I've worn those earrings every day for like, two years now like they've been with me every rowing race they've been with me every important thing that I've done and I just I just feel really bummed out and I came to training the next morning and she had she'd bought me a pair of earrings the same style everything to replace them with a card like chocolates and she'd written this lovely note in it being like these obviously don't replace the ones that you've lost but like 
you know, I, I hope you can make some new good memories with these. And that was just the type of teammate that you had there. Like people would just go out of their way to do anything, whether it was big or small, to make you feel like you had like a family away from home. And so that is, when I look back on Newcastle, it's stuff like that where I'm like, it's impossible for me to sort of look back and say that I I, I had anything but a good time there. That's what Dave Bowers said, friendships formed in adversary are the, are, the, yeah. are the strongest. Like the training that you hear about from Newcastle is so savage, but yeah. it creates, like you said, it obviously creates a bond between all the people there. And yeah. like anyone who's, I've never had to do 14, 1500, so I'm, I'm not in that gang, but I think anyone who's done it like understands. Well, it's funny looking back on those sessions though, they're so funny. Yeah, oh, what's, <laughs> the other, what's the other one that it's like a certain distance because it's like the oh, distance the Angelo. I was in 100 and like <laughs> Three, I can't even remember. This. Yeah, I've, blo I've blocked it out. Those ones <laughs> you had to do that before Christmas and then directly after Christmas to make sure that like hadn't you gone. hadn't completely gone off the rails yeah. over Christmas. For and two days. they were free rate. Yeah, like they were free rate, and you had to do them as hard as you could. And I was just there, like, why am I doing like sixteen, seventeen k flat out? <laughs> like this is awful. Like actually awful. But again, like you work out ways. Like after a while, it's the same on our current program at Cavisham. Like some of the sessions that we've got, there, there's no other way to describe them other than just like biblical. Like they're just disgusting. Yeah, it's yeah. to break because your biggest limitation is your is yeah. what you feel you're capable of. And so you, those sessions break you down to the point that you're like, I, you know, you've been halfway in the middle. I used to sit on sessions and we have a hard session. I'd be like, at the end when we just coached at college, whatever, I'd be like, right, everyone who had a thought at some point in that session that they couldn't finish it, put their hand up. Like mm. everyone puts their hand up. But we all finished it, didn't we? And yeah. Like, yeah, we did. And you're like, see? It's and like they, confidence as, It just starts going. And every time you go into a session and you hear that voice say, like, I can't I can't finish this. Yeah. And then you finish, you're like, oh, like I don't have to listen to that. I'm actually yeah. got more than I think. Like, yeah. People would be lying if they said there were times during those programs where they didn't hate it. Like they went there like, why am I here? Like, why am I doing this? Like 14, 1500s. Like it's pretty hard to sit there and be like, I love this. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially because these are all after university, like, so if, if if you were lucky and you finished early, then you could start your session early. But the 14, 1500s would take me like two hours, like two hours, 10 minutes, yeah. two hours, 20 minutes, something stupid. And then you're sat there, like if you've only been able to start at six o'clock, which some people would only be able to start at then, it's like nine o'clock and you're on your way home. Mm. You haven't even really like had dinner yet because you started it at six and then you've got a training session the next morning at yeah. 6.30. You're sat there like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, why? But yeah, you look back on it now and you're like, we did finish all of those sessions and we did do them. And isn't that mad? Because yeah, they sound stupid when you listen to them like that. Yeah, it's all, all more to like your point of like the, the team spirit that is that is created during those sessions. And yeah. I remember like being at one of like the, the very first parties and I think I was speaking to Fred Crawshaw. Yes. And I, I just said to him, like the program is obviously brutal. Yeah. How do you guys like cope with it? Like, because this is like week two. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you like do that for like three or four years and he said like man you like see all these parties around and everyone having fun like that that's how because yeah. like you know we work really hard together but we also like that's that's where we bond and then we can like keep pushing each other through and that was just like okay that's that's the pathway like yeah. uh, you buy in for the team but then you also like the team pays dividends cool so um again like it's interesting to hear from what you said uh obviously like in the team and in worlds that we spoke about about how like trying to be process driven and how at newcastle when you started kind of falling out of love with the sport it was maybe because you were looking at like being the end goal yeah you know what made you fall back in love with it was being process driven and i think that's a point that we've heard from other athletes before and it's like super important mm. you can't just focus on the end goal you have to sort of be thinking about day to day 
Um, yeah. So that's something you did. You fell back in love with sport under 23s, obviously mm-hmm. gold medal. That's pretty awesome. From that point on, then were you like back in thinking maybe this is something I could do yeah. for a living? Yeah. Um, after that, I thought, okay, well, I'm not really going to like give up on the dream quite yet. I wasn't really sure what the dream was. I think quite a lot of the time as well, like when you think about, for me, when I think about like the end result, um, sounds a bit silly but like you can you can feel a bit like embarrassed by admitting yeah. like quite how like bold your your dreams were because I was sat there like okay you've only gone to like juniors and stuff so you as a junior you can't be sat there saying I want to go to the Olympics which don't get me wrong those people do say that and it works perfectly well for them but for me I was kind of sat there thinking that's that's like way too bold yeah that's only for like the best of the best like why would I ever be like that standard like can I can almost... train and I can try and get there but like yeah I don't want to I don't want to come across like cocky by it, saying that's my that's my goal it makes the task too large you can put yourself yeah. off it be like oh I'm miles from there like that was a crazy yeah. thing yeah but I person t- goes back to the process yeah I totally get what you mean though like feeling almost embarrassed but be like if I actually say what my actual dreams and goals are like people are just gonna think I'm a raging lunatic well they're gonna think that I'm like delusional or like all of these things and like realistically when has anyone ever said to me that their goal was to like get into the senior team and I've been there like, good luck. Like I've never thought that. So yeah, yeah. I don't know why they would have, why I thought they were going to thought think that for me, but that was just sort of like the narrative in my head. So I, I had this sort of like weird contrast where I was saying like, well, actually I do want to do this, but like, how do I admit that I want to do that without people sort of thinking that I'm like crazy? Mm. Um, so I was just trying to stay like one, one day at a time, one club at a time. But then, yeah, when you've finished uni, if you're not finishing uni and like going into a job, like I think it's pretty clear that you're trying, you're trying to get something else out of the sport and like you're maybe going to try and go for the next step um, from under 23. So at that point I was like, yeah, okay, well obviously I am trying to maybe get into the senior team, but I have no idea for what, like for when. And so I just kind of like, yeah, cracked on at Molsey, had a great time there, but unfortunately it was like a month after joining Molsey that my uh, that my dad actually did then pass away which like complicated things for me as a as a result like I was at training like normally um but you're trying to get to know people at a club and you're kind of sat there in your head being like I hope they don't sort of think of me as like the girl to be like pitying Mm. because dad's just died so I was like trying to make friends with people but also Mm. trying to deal with grief trying to not let my grief affect my sort of like outward presentation of like who I was as a person but like kind of struggled with that on some days because obviously some days are just more emotional than others. Uh, and then was throwing myself into work at Surbiton, which also had like quite a lot of memories for me tying into my dad because that's where I started growing because of him and other other family sort of like relationships. So uh, it, that was kind of like a stressful time period. And um, then COVID hit and that really just kind of like wiped the slate clean. So couldn't really think about much after that. So if anything, like almost in a good way, it kind of just gave you a bit of space to yeah. work, work out what what's going on in your own head yeah I, I kept sort of like just trying to fill my days when I'm like mentally stressed as I say I either like to row um because it's something to like keep me busy and something to distract me but yeah if I can't row then I like to just do as many things as possible and like just see as many friends be out and about like just just fill my days and so I was going straight from rowing to working and I'd come home at like seven and then wake up the next day and like do that all over again um so I didn't really give my time, my like my yeah, like myself time to sort of like actually process like the last year of what had happened. And COVID was kind of like a brutal way to like force me to mm. slow down and like process. And once I dealt with that a little bit more, 
like moving to Leander was also like quite a a healthy thing for me to do yeah. in terms of being like Molsey also has like connotations of my dad used to love that club because Amber Road there and um, like all of these sort of like family memories of us being there. So it was quite nice to go somewhere that was separate to like my rowing history and somewhere new. Yeah, so I was just about to ask you like what made you choose Molsey in the first place and then Leander, but I think you've just kind of summed that up. Yeah, like my my dad was always quite vocal about like rowing and rowing clubs. He knew, you know, he 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 liked to keep in uh, like the know with like where was the place to be, and he always had like a huge amount of respect for both Molsey and Leander. Um, but then it also just made sense like coming home from uni. I didn't have to like think about getting accommodation. I didn't have to think about like doing anything like that. I was just home. And um, in terms of like my dad's condition, it was it was comforting to be like I'm right right there in case anything happens um so yeah and then I also could go back to my old club sort of try and give back in a way that I felt like they invested lots into me um and it was only a short year in the end but it was it was nice to do yeah that's cool as much as it can be boring talking about COVID again and again and again I think it's been really interesting speaking to rowers about how they dealt with it and how mm. um driven people have kind of made the best of a bad situation and speaking to a lot of different people about how they've turned that like Miles Beeson kind of making a business out almost out of having yeah. that extra time and like just little ways it's been really interesting and i think for people who listen to like hear about yeah different ways to deal with because life just keeps going and like whether you want to row you know even if you want to row and you put everything into that life will keep going and mm. things keep happening good and bad yeah so yeah. i think it's pretty cool to, to hear or you kind of swing it around and make the best of it yeah i think yeah like you said like regeneration as well just before like just having that bit of a period where you know you can dial in your own but also like sort your personal life out because like after university like, let's, let's be honest like you there was not probably at uni a lot of time where you had any time to yourself outside of training or the no. degree so like actually fi- slotting in that time also outside of having a job is like pretty rare that you, you like get yeah. to find it but then going into leander many expectations were you excited what were your what were your kind of like objectives as you walked through the Pink Hippo Club? I was club? very excited. Um, I was also quite nervous because we had people like Hannah Scott and Georgie Brayshaw and my, uh, like she uh, rode in the quad uh, with me in Sarasota, Ella Toa. Um, we were all going to be there like training as a collective sculling group. And we were part of like that, like Project Paris group that Shep had set up to try and sort of help funnel in people from under 23s into seniors mm-hmm. as like in preparation for this olympic cycle um and as i, said, I got injured quite early on as a result from like probably not being like the most switched on with my like technique and stuff during lockdown um and i was quite nervous because it was the first time that i was going to have like a bunch of super competitive scholars to sort of be around and like test speed with and train with side by side every day um so it's it was almost like going to a trials but like having that every day so that was a really useful sort of like development tool for me um and would have been if I had not got injured but I was on the bike then for that year and the coaches were just then really good at just checking in on me and making sure I didn't feel like deserted or sort of like forgotten just because yeah. I was on the bike uh which they did really well because they they are they do find a way to be very like invested in like everyone's scores like no matter what they're on so yeah it was very good and then you got to race in the single. Yeah, that was epic. Um, I really didn't expect that opportunity to come because I, I didn't really know that they offered that sort of opportunity out in like the build up to 
um, the Olympics where they sort of be like, well, we're not going to race these races. That like concept was quite new to me. Mm. Um, so when they said that people were going to go to a senior world cup, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. But I didn't really think it was going to affect me. Went to trials and like one in the single and then was told, yeah, so you're going to go in single. And I went, what? I me <laughs> and i uh, it was a real mix of emotions because as i say like around this time this fine doesn't affect me like in the day to day now but around that time for me like it was really still quite hard for me to row each day without like feeling that association that tie to my dad and it was one of those things where i was like this would have been a huge milestone that he would have been so proud to see so i remember in the build up to going i kept having like crying fits where i would be like just very emotional like out of nowhere for no reason and then like five minutes later i'd be like absolutely fine so the people in the team at that point must have been like is this girl okay because she's well, literally just like crying it's not nowhere for no reason i think no but they didn't they, they wouldn't know as well i did because i didn't want to sort of be that yeah. person that was like by the way everyone like yeah. this has happened because they didn't know me and so yeah, i was yeah. like was why would i want the first thing they know about me to be like oh, like she's she's mentally like in a rough spot right now. So I was like, I'll just leave it and it's fine. Like I won't cry every day. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe I will. Like like every other day then, like fine. Yeah, what's, uh, yeah. what's important is that you found a way to, to manage it and sort yeah. of like still come out on the other side of it, which is really, really difficult by the way. And like, I really like when we spoke to Paddy, what Paddy spoke about, he was like, you know, with coaching girls, like sometimes, you know, we'll have difficult conversations and they might cry and that's okay. And like yeah. they're a bit more emotional than guys, and I don't, I don't need to change the way that I am with them. It's yeah. just he's kind of like just it's just part of it, and yeah. it's not a problem. I was like, that's a really kind of like that's a really forward thinking way of just being like that's just it's cool. Yeah, yeah, we don't I don't need to don't need to change the way. Process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then just let it happen. Yeah, because at this time the tears were definitely for like confusion of like grief, basically. Yeah. But I I. I am now very aware of the fact that if I'm crying now, it really annoys me because I cry particularly when I'm just frustrated or angry. I don't really cry when I'm sad anymore. It's just when I'm like annoyed or angry about something and it's the emotion just like hits me, can't control it. And then I cry and then I'm sat there, I'm frustrated at myself for looking so emotional. And I just go round and round in circles. Yeah. I'm sat there being like, oh God, I really don't want this person to feel guilty because I'm like crying yeah. and they feel like they need to now be like softer with me. Like yeah. I wish I wasn't crying, but I can't actually control it. Like I'm not sad. I'm not miserable. Like none of this is like pity. Like this is just my anger process. And yeah, I wish yeah. I looked more like angry. I just look like sad, but I'm just, yeah. It's just okay. process. Yeah, everyone's yeah. different. Like except yeah. like just accept it, be aware of it. And yeah. then like you can kind of move. Hopefully it doesn't happen that often, but yeah. <laughs> so in terms of racing in a single at your first senior World Cup, mm. um, obviously you got to medal. Yeah. How was that as a regatta, as an experience? Were you nervous or like, how, did you come oh away gosh. after it thinking like, it actually wasn't so bad? I couldn't ever imagine racing a single. Like, I, I spent most so of nervous. my time. Senior international. Yeah, I was so nervous. Like I, I have never felt like more sick on the day of my finals. I, cause I went in being like, I expect nothing from this. Expect nothing and, you know, go, get everything to gain. Mm. Um, but I, I had no expectation of a medal. I didn't even know if a final would be realistic. I was there like, I've spent six and a half months of this year, like just on a bike, started rowing maybe like three weeks before final trials and then have been selected to go on this. So like in terms of my preparation, like this has been abysmal, but like whatever, this is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, went there like we were in Sabaudia which is like beautiful we've got like lovely white sandy beaches around so for the first bit I was just trying to be like this is holiday like this is so nice keep the and pressure then, off yeah like racing started and was just 
pleasantly surprised like how it was going and then by the time it got to the final and I had people being like oh like you know like maybe like you could be in for it like with a push of a medal type thing and I sat there like I don't want to hear this like yeah, yeah, I really don't yeah. want to hear this and like my uh roommate Katie Wilkinson Feller she was also racing the single but her final was just like slightly before mine in terms of time so she came back from her final and she was buzzing she was like I'm done thank god best feeling ever you're gonna love it and I was like sat there just like rocking being like I can't, I can't hear this right now like <laughs> yeah. could barely eat like anything was just like so 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 nervous um got to the start didn't take the first stroke because I was so nervous and then went no you have to wake up now and like just get back into it it was fine but yeah <laughs> So you're actually like a fantastic singles color. You're just too humble to admit it. But like, no. I'm, I'm just really interested. Like, how do you actually like approach that kind of race where, you know, you're under pressure. There is a possibility of a medal here, but you're also like, you need to be confident in yourself as a singles color because otherwise the boat doesn't move if you don't drive it. Mm. Do you, how do you just approach the race plan, the tactics? Do you adjust to um. stay in the field or? Do you just go like, you know, full blinds on and I'm just doing my thing, whatever happens, happens? Probably more of the latter. Like in a crew boat, we have tactics, we have race plans, we have calls. So I can't afford to just sort of like switch off because I need to I need to respond when Hannah's making calls to move and I need to do my bit when it's like we're doing a certain push or something. So I can't really like zone out, zone out altogether. But in a single, and as I've mentioned, uh, like I tend to try and be less like result driven and more just like in the process. So I think part of the reason why I was so nervous uh, racing that single was I didn't quite appreciate yet at that point how easy it is for me to sort of like get carried away and get like sucked into like a sort of spiral of like, this is on the table, but you could lose this because this could go wrong or this could go wrong or this could go wrong. And like, I can get quite sidetracked by that. So instead for me, like I prefer very much so just to be like, okay, well, you're going to do like your normal start. You're going to do your normal like row, however that comes. And then like, you'll see what, see what you get. And as long as it's good, like feels good to you, that's fine. Yeah. Because also I do believe that with the training that you do, like that gets you to the race on race day, like you've already done the work anyways. So there's no point in me being like, I have to pull out something special today or I have to do something like over the top amazing because realistically like the time for that was all in the preparation winter spring summer like all of that so there's no time for me to do anything different i just have to do what yeah i do every day so then w when you didn't take the first stroke that was great yeah that was brilliant <laughs> were you like i need to make up for this i was just like it's it's extra special because you've got a camera just pointing just at you just to catch that moment where you're there like attention go and like i took one i took one of my blades was buried and one of them wasn't so i literally just like blew backwards and then went okay nice and just came up and was like okay and like previously I'd been like out with the mix of everyone at the start and been able to sort of like transition and pace and sort of feel like I had some control so this was one of the first times that I was like left out the back and thinking okay well metal might be gone now but that's fine like just settle into it like it's fine and I just again like allowed myself just to enjoy like the race process the rhythm all of that and then about 500 to go I looked over and realized I was actually like on the bow of um, the German scholar, Pia Greiten. And like her and I, we see each other at races all over the place now. And we always go up and say hi and like catch up because she came to Henley after that as well. 
and it's just funny yeah like in a single you meet people and you you can be like friends with people almost instantly because mm -hmm. you know you've got that shared interest in that yeah, but yeah. her and i had like a very 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 tight finish so for ages after the race we were just kind of sat there like so like who do you think won <laughs> <laughs> you're there like well, i hope it was me but i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah single skull is definitely yeah, like this person's as crazy as I am. Yeah. <laughs> She's my friend. Yeah. So in 2021, um, I imagine the World Cup 3 was before Henley. That was that, yeah, that it was year where Henley. it swapped. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, you you were selected to race at Henley in a single. Were you coming in thinking like, okay, this is mine for grabs or? Um, well, so Ross, when I came back, he said, look, um, sculling wise, you can either do your single or you can do a double. And like Georgie and Jess Layden will be around. So you, like you can do that. But like to me, doubles, I really struggle with them because I get in my head quite a lot about like every single stroke. And I feel like the need to apologize for everything that goes wrong oh. in the boat. Cause I'm sat there being like, I'm not very good at balancing the boat sometimes. So I'm sat there being like, oh my God, Jess, who's a lovely girl, but I didn't know her very well at this point. Uh -huh. She's like one of the, my like rowing idols at this yeah, point. Yeah. I'm sat Shut there up. like, she is going to want to strangle me because she's trying to like just take a stroke and I'm there like wobbling about the place. <laughs> Realistically in Jess's head, like she doesn't care. Like she's the most laid back, easy, like down to earth person yeah. to row with. But in my head, I was there like, I can't deal the pressure of like rowing with someone like her because I'm like, I'm not quite ready for that basically. So I'll do the single because it's like, it's my pace, my style, and I'll never really probably get the opportunity to do that again. So yeah, yeah. that's that's cool. Like, let's do that. That and makes sense. Yeah, went into it being like, who knows what will happen, but let's just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like you're getting the best outcomes from when, like you said, when you just don't worry too much about what's yeah. going on. Yeah. I, I've, I have learned through like trial and error over the years that I am definitely, like I, I, I pressure is fine. Like I can deal with pressure, like external pressure, but my internal pressure is too much basically like the event the surroundings the racing like that's fine like I can enjoy that particularly if I'm feeling calm but when I'm in my head being like no this is like a world championship so like you better step up because otherwise you're going to get eaten alive then I start to really panic and freak out so so long as I stay calm internally like I can pretty much deal with what's going on around me yeah yeah but if I start like chipping away at myself from the inside it's game over <laughs> <laughs> it's a common trait like it's uh it's part of the trait that gets you where you are it's yeah. also the one that can kind of get too much and it's something we've talked about with a lot of athletes before uh as well yeah so um i think so for some people like you said it's about learning and understanding what works for you mm. me personally i was one of those people that was like i i want to think about every single thing that can go wrong mm. and then know that i've thought about it so that if it comes up I don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, and that's calming but, to some people. Yeah, but then other people are like, if I start thinking about everything that could go wrong, I'm just going to freak my. I'm going to like yeah. pull myself out of it. I just want to like fall back on my preparation. Like, okay, this can go wrong, but it's fine because anytime anything comes around, I can just deal with it on the spot. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be strong enough to deal with that thing. But what you said about internal pressure, like, you know, you're sitting there like thinking Jess is going to strangle and murder you. She probably didn't even oh, notice Jess, that you were wobbling. Jess boat. really didn't care. No, like Jess was like, she and I then ended up rooming together for like three months that next year when we were in the quad together that um, year before last. And she and I were just like, uh, like sisters, basically by the end of it, we were just like, annoying each other winding each other up laughing at everything like we're probably really annoying to be around but like she doesn't care about anything like that so long as she feels like you know like you're just bringing your your best and mm -hmm. what you can do like that's enough for her like 
you don't need to be perfect you just need to respect that her time is your time and your time is her time yeah that's fine makes sense shout out to jess definitely want to get her on a podcast they uh i've had similar experiences in a pair but what you can do in a pair uh, if you think the other guy's way better than you is you can just keep it on your side yeah like you can't do that in a double but like in the pair you just like <laughs> but i've always had i rode with a guy yeah who uh he was doing it i was like dude like it's okay like you like, don't have he's just like forcing it down so that my blade would like never touch the water yeah i'm like we're not going to get anywhere if you're just like just, <laughs> just let me row yeah, yeah. I'm like, i don't mind if it touches but it's okay like yeah. we're rowing a pair don't worry about it he's yeah. just yeah. like oh like keeping it on his side yeah. so how how did your first victory in the princess royal challenge cup at henley come about good feeling how did really it compare to feeling. the world yeah. cup um i think it was like the two like it was like that it was following the because the world cup i was just kind of like i can't believe i'm here for like a medal ceremony and all of this like this is mad and then as i say like at that time i was also still like it was one of the first races that we'd done since covid it was one of the first big races it was the first big race i'd done since my dad had passed so it was quite like a bittersweet sort of feeling but then by henley i sort of like processed those emotions got it through and out of my system and although i was like thinking about him quite a lot like i was able to just enjoy the feeling for for what it was and then also appreciate like all of my other family that supports me because yeah like I speak about my dad a lot when it comes to rowing because he was part of the beginning and then like obviously um has like remained um an inspiration like an influence for me in that but like you know my my mum sacrificed like countless hours like driving me to and from and like my sisters you know they all help me too so like it's nice when an event doesn't become just solely fixated on the feelings around one person that you've lost and you can appreciate like everyone that's that's still with you still like celebrating you so that was cool and like Henley obviously like as an event goes like it's it's like the most sort of like party atmosphere rowing event that we have so to win there like it is cool because like the whole ceremony there is like a big sort of like piss up party basically and that's like one of the best parts about rowing is that afterwards like everyone is there for like a night out and they are there for a good time um so yeah that was really cool awesome and then so i guess next thing is, is stepping up into the, into the squad yeah how was that and uh, again another lift up different level or have you kind of been um competing on that level already like how was mm -hmm. the training and how did you find it so my housemates and i still live with them now but so james rugkin was my housemate and so he was in team and so he had kind of like been quite good to talk to beforehand because he was yeah. like this is realistically like what you can sort of expect and came in and the program was a step up from what uh we were used to at leander but like nothing crazy in terms of like still like a british rowing mm. program compared to newcastle as well compared yeah. to newcastle as well you're like okay like if i can do junior step up to uni step up at newcastle uni like this is this is fine like this is manageable and then um like that was all going well i did a few other races trials and stuff that was all going good and then andrew randall came in and he switched the program up again which he, he switched up in a Newcastle style way. So it was like, la, 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 la. And then it was poof, like all the way up here, like kind of uh, blindsided. Like we all knew that someone was coming in that had a slightly different like ethos to, mm -hmm. to sort of the British rowing style one that we had for the women's team, at least at the time. Um, but yeah, when he came in, like that did all like hit us and take us by surprise. Um, and yeah, like the end of that year, the results showed like it, it was working. It, it was a good program and it still is um, from this year's results. But yeah that that was a jump and that that was a surprise <laughs> yeah in what way uh the intensity like we the mileage the intensity 
all of that sort of, I mean, not literally doubled, but kind of quite close to that, actually, to be honest. Yeah, it, it all just sort of like shot up. And in particular, it kind of shot up as soon as we'd gone away on a training camp. He arrived like five days before we went on our first ever senior rowing team training camp, for me at least. And um, it was very intense to be like away from home, away from like the buffer that you have from Cavisham to then coming back to your space, which Henley is filled with rowers, but like it's still at your space. Mm. Um, to not have that, go away on training camp and just be like bombarded with just like constant work. And then also he, one of his strengths is that he's, um, he's very like purposeful with meetings and like discussions about like goal setting and, and what we want to put as our like expectations of the squad. So he would sit us down and be like, what do you think you're doing well right now? What do you think you could do better? And like, what do you want to do well in five months time? And what would you like to have like improved? Mm -hmm. And so like, we had some pretty brutal conversations about where we were as a squad at that point and what we needed to do to get from here to here. Um, and so those discussions, the training program, everything was quite draining in one hit, but you came back from that camp. And I feel like if you came out the other end of that camp in an okay space mentally, like the rest of the year was fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a lot of girls might find themselves in a position, you know, just starting out like you thinking, okay, well, one, I, I really enjoy this rowing thing. I want to see where it takes me. And then you like make the step up through the ranks. You go to university, you do quite well, you do GB stuff. And then you finally made it to the senior team. Mm. Was it what you expected? Did it match up to the expectations? Uh, no. Just no. how was it to take um, in? I think like when you're a junior and like very new and, and like young in the sport, like we were all like completely obsessed and like in love with the sport. Like there was nothing, there was no part of the sport that I, I didn't enjoy and love. And perhaps the training back then was maybe also like easier. And so like easier to just sort of like let everything just roll off the other side if it was had a hard session one day. And then like obviously the sacrifices and the demands and the intensity like increase over the years. But by that point in like the rowing relationship like you've got you've got the foundation you don't just leave at that point but like yeah had I known what it was like when I'd when I started it'd be quite interesting like be quite interested to see the direct comparison of like what it felt like what rowing felt like to me when I started in comparison to what it feels like now because so I would never leave like I love the sport I love what I do and like every day I do feel like very lucky to do that but um like the years the years like do build and like you know, the expectations, the pressure, the demands, like everything gets more and more like wrapped up into it. Cause with each year that you invest, like that's another year that you've sort of, you've dedicated your life to this. So you can't, you can't leave unless you feel like you've got the results that you will make you feel like satisfied and happy. So it, it becomes perhaps like less about, yeah, I do it because I love it, but also like I do it because I've got a point to prove now as well. Whereas when I started out, it was just, I love it. I yeah. quite like, I've never heard anyone like refer to it like a relationship. Like there's like the honeymoon period. Well, I don't have a boyfriend. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it works really well. There's that first bit when you start, everything's great. It's yeah, all it's enjoyable. Like, right, yeah. And the more you invest in it, obviously there are hard times, but you're invested more in it. So you stick with it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting. I think as well, though, like. It's maybe I, why people find it so hard to walk away from Rome because yeah, it's their like yeah, yeah. longest ever relationship. I would, there's like a toxic break. Yeah, it's almost. a toxic relationship by the end or, or you love it. <laughs> You never leave. But. I would say they like definitely like from my point of view, you don't want to get caught too much in thinking that you're staying to uh, to achieve something that will make other people feel like what you did was worth it. I think you want to make sure you stay in your headspace of 
uh, am I happy with what yeah. I achieved? Because I think, like, personally for me, there was a point in my career when I was, like, really struggling with, with how it was, like, struggling with, with, like, injury and all the rest of it and just thinking, but I can't leave now because, you know, if I don't make it, if I don't go to the Olympics or the senior worlds, like, no one's, everyone's going to think that I just wasted my time. This is, and this and then, is the toxic part, yeah. Yeah, but then the, the change for me was really, like, spending some time in my head and getting to the point of being, like, I, I, I'm happy with how good I was. Yeah. I know I was good enough for me. I, I know I got as far as I could have got. Like whether whether anyone else thinks that what I th- what I did was impressive or not really isn't important. And I think that's like a pretty important to make sure you keep thinking about what you're doing. You're you're still staying for you and not for other people. I think yeah. you should keep keep thinking about that. And that's and like it's hard because it obviously comes and goes in waves. Like when the season when you're in a particularly like hard training block you can feel like really at the bottom of a hole that you didn't expect to ever really feel. Mm. Um, And I think for me as a junior, I had sort of like glamorized expectations of like, oh, well, if I ever made it into the senior team I spoke about before, I was like, oh, you'd be like the best of the best and you you, you would feel like you're the best of the best. You know, you don't talk about what your dreams are because it's embarrassing to admit that because only like perfect rowers get to do that. But as I mentioned also from rowing in doubles and stuff, I often feel like, I'm letting the other person down because you don't do everything perfectly. Like you can never do everything perfectly in sport. And like, that's not something you need to rowing. So like that feeling of like pressure and expectation to perform, like never really goes away. But like, I kind of expected my insecurities of like, Mm. do I row well enough to really like talk about this to sort of go away? Cause you'd feel like, oh, well, if you ever get to go to under 23s, like you're obviously doing really well, you're really good. And you get to under 23s and you're like, oh, I don't really feel like that. And then same thing you're saying well if you get to go to a senior race and you medal in a senior like race event then like obviously you're like really good but I was at the start line and I didn't take my first stroke so didn't feel very good you know and likewise like every single year like there's never going to be a season where I'm like oh yeah I was perfect rower that year like I did everything perfectly and so like that sort of expectation of of being a junior of looking up at the seniors of my time being like where like they're they're like the best rowers in the country Mm. I would never sort of look at or visualize myself in that way and so you can kind of feel that sort of like imposter sort of syndrome of like am I really doing it or like am I really good enough to be doing it but I'm turning up each day because I love it and I'm not going to turn down an opportunity well that's the thing like if you turn up to the senior training center and like this is this is the highest level that you could have climbed to the next step is to either go to the olympics or go to world championships and come away with a gold medal Mm. like there has to be a feeling of pride that carries you surely like in thinking like okay i'm on the front line for my country like i'm going to represent this best uh this is kind of like resting on my shoulders let's make let's make my fellow people proud i tend to try and actually like dissociate from thinking about um the fact that i'm like rowing for my country because i when i was younger i used to say like for my nerves I used to be like well it doesn't matter like what goes wrong because you've been selected to race this boat 14 GB, which means like you were the best crew they could send. Yeah. So no matter what happens, like you guys are the best result that you guys could have got. But then as I say, I think that kind of also like associates to the result too much for me. So I tend to just think about, I really don't think about the other countries as like other countries. And I don't think about myself or my boat as like we are great britain Mm -hmm. like i just think of us as like this is a group of girls that i like rowing with yeah like i didn't think of us as like the team gb quad yeah so this that's the that's the difference i think 
I never really hear British athletes talk about the, the, the pride that comes with like representing Team GB. And that's something that's really evident in like, for example, like where I'm from in Poland, like if as soon as you get that bold eagle on your uh, white, white, yeah, as soon as you get the eagle on your chest, you're like, okay, there's a feeling of pride that carries me around. But potentially that's where Britain has an edge because you're just treating it as another performance. So you like take that extra, extra level of pressure off. Yeah. And then it kind of makes it easier maybe it can be a lot to yeah it can be a lot you've got so many hours to so many other things to think of anyway like you definitely want to talking about pressure helps you perform like understanding that you know putting on like i never used to wear a world's all in one if i wasn't at worlds yeah like i'd want to like if i looked down and saw the light blue on my legs like Mm. i knew like it was important i'd try and have like a separation in that way but yeah no like you as well like you don't you can't think that i'm doing this for them for my country you know you need to kind of be a bit more process driven but i also think like it's a really interesting thing from from speaking there now having 30 episodes in like how every athlete I'm speaking to Olympians like John Collins was another one for me it was you know like been to two Olympics and he sat there saying like oh I just didn't think I've done well enough and like I didn't think I'd achieved enough and you think Jesus it's like every like I'm sat here thinking like I didn't achieve enough because I didn't get the Olympics but then there's the guy to get the Olympics didn't get the medal and then there's the bronze that didn't get silver silver Mm. didn't get gold gold didn't get gold twice like there's always another level and like what gets you there is also what can what can like get you out of your head a little bit yeah um and i think as well like what you're saying like the day-to-day stuff like another thing i struggled with was um uh complaining or or like a voicing like opinions of like struggling mm-hmm. and have someone not in that team as and be like you're getting paid to row like you should be so happy every day yeah, it's like a dream be. job like i'm aware that i'm being like oh i love it I love, and i do but like definitely there are days where i come in i'm like oh my god like really like have you guys seen the program for this week like yeah. are they trying to kill us and yeah, like, yeah. there's not one positive sentence that comes out of my mouth yeah. but i'm still there and yeah. i'm still gonna find something to laugh at that day and so at the end of the day like yeah i came a lot of the day was hard and, and not fun but like am i actually having a fulfilling and like life that i actually enjoy overall like yeah otherwise i wouldn't be here i think the most difficult thing of those two things is thinking that you're the only person thinking that and i think that's what's like i've hopefully it's like super um helpful to other rowers who are listening to this podcast to understand that everyone feels that way yeah like if you hate rowing today that's okay because everyone sometimes hates rowing. and if you feel like you're not achieving enough or you feel like you haven't achieved enough there are guys who've achieved more than you who feel the same and there are guys and girls who've achieved less and feel the same yeah i think that the confidence can come in understanding that i used to talk to some of my athletes as well i'd I'd, like in a funny way i'd be like oh so you're you're kind of struggling in this way you're not special like there's nothing special about how you feel like in a good way like it's not you're You're not not on your own yeah you're not the only one that's ever felt like this like it's totally normal and that's okay and i think as long as you can understand that those going through those patches is okay that makes you so much stronger for it it's not like oh shit i need to quit now because i hate this yeah yeah like not every day was going to be a day where you like get the most out of yourself mentally but like on those days if you can get something technical or something like physical out of the day well that's a way that I like to look at it where I can be like well I've come home and I've been like right was I able to like mentally like really get stuck in today or did I kind of like coast through a session or two hopefully like those days don't come around often but when they do come around okay yeah well like did I push myself physically did I get something technically yeah okay can I be happy yeah is it was it a perfect day no but as we've discussed like not every day is going to be like a sunshine and rainbows i love rowing day but that's part of the process and for me like just enjoying the day-to-day doesn't necessarily mean i'm actually enjoying it mentally but it means i found something to be satisfied with my training with that day and if i can come to the end of the day and be like i did my job 
then like for me that's enough to be like next day yeah yeah that absolutely has to be correct way to do this i mean john collins said that jürgen jürgen's mantra was kind of like you know it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be good enough and like you you nailed it not every day you're going to be able to feel perfect because well there needs to be that polarity right Mm -hmm. like if every day is perfect then every day just kind of becomes mediocre and average so yeah the best you can do on the day yeah yeah so after being in your senior team for the first year uh, and actually being selected to race in a crew for world championships how did that come about what was that like did you know you were in a mix from the start um yeah so from the start of the year so we had like some races we did uh the people returning from tokyo didn't have to do november trials so they weren't there and going into november trials i felt fairly confident that i was going to have a good shot at like trying to win it so I, I won that trials and that that went well and then we had february trials next and i, I won i won that one too i think i'm not sure actually either one it all came second um not sure then did april trials and there were some people that were injured like or had covid because covid was still around then um and so again like because of absences like from the rest of like the team um i had a fairly like good shot at going in trying to win it so won that and so that put me in like a fairly good position in terms of like being selected mm-hmm. uh we had some seat racing which doubles my favorite boat ah, but that went well so <laughs> like that was fine yeah like i i don't know what it is with doubles like mentally i hate them but i don't really have a, a leg to stand on with that because so far like i haven't actually done like badly at them but i just don't like them so i i really like i can't explain it to the coaches because they're like but you do well in doubles so i like, think i know the- what you mean like it's the pressure is because yeah, it's because you're putting the pressure on yourself. Yeah. And um, I'm putting the pressure on myself to be perfect for someone it's else. It's the imposter syndrome. And yeah. it's like, if you're in a quad, like things can go wrong and it can't be attributed to you. But or like, like if fully my fault. Yeah. yeah, there's only one other person. <laughs> yeah. Because you get in that mentality of like, oh my God, if I mess this up, they're going to they're gonna know yeah. that I'm, I'm And when you're in a single, like if you row, if you row in a way that's like not perfect, but like it's it's how you row. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I can be comfortable in that. Like I can be comfortable and confident in that like, stroke to stroke like the boat's gonna move but when I'm in a double and I feel like I'm like messing it up even if I'm not actually messing it up and the other person's not messing it up and it's just it's just water it's just conditions it gets in my head and then I start to sort of like have have that voice that forefrontal like feeling in my head where I'm like too not able to just zone out and focus on the race. It's like the, it's the imposter syndrome. For me, it's like it's like he's going to find out that I'm not good at yeah, this. Yeah, like, yeah. Doing this, like it. someone's going to realize that I shouldn't be here. Yeah, like <laughs> that's what used to piss Jess off when I was in a boat with her because I'd be yeah. sat there and like I'd do it with literally everyone, and everyone has now got to the point where they're like, just shut up, mm. because every time it just so much just like wobbles. I'm like, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, and they're like, oh my god, like that was literally a duck, Lola. Like fucking yeah. shut up, and I'm there like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> So I hate, like, I really do hate them because they make me, like, like, they make me insecure and I just mm. don't want to be rowing and, like, racing, feeling, like, vulnerable. Like, it's a really horrible feeling. Yeah. So I, I don't like doubles, but, us, you know, that's it's, I have to. I have to like them. because Do you generally either. stroke or bow or either? I go anywhere. Yeah. But typically, so bow maybe. typically go at bow now yeah. because uh, I like to make calls and sort of, like, try and control. Also, if I'm at stroke, it's 10 times worse because I'm sat there and like, yeah, they can see me. the mistakes yeah. that I'm making. So yeah. I don't, like, please don't look at me right now. Like, I'll just be at the bow and just, yeah. like, messing about. But hopefully, like, they won't feel or they won't know it. And, like, I can convince myself that way around. Yeah, it's been so yeah. long just 
like after we talk about it with, down. Yeah, with yeah. Pete and just being like, it's like someone's going to realise I'm not supposed to be <laughs> yeah, in a minute. Was, that's like, honestly, when we first started getting in doubles at Cavsham, I was like, they're going to know. They're going to know. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> and I like, doubles were like the main way that we sort of do our testing and our trials. So I was sat there like, I can move a single and I think I can move a quad. But if I can't move a double, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to show that I can move a quad. Or if I can't move a double, then maybe actually I can't move a quad, and maybe everyone else has been moving the quads for me. But then it's so, not yeah. It's and then like getting some results from so again, like for me, like one of the ways to get through that was then getting some, some actually like beating some other people who I thought were really good in like a seat race and being like, oh, like, yeah. okay, like I I'm not, maybe well, I am yeah. supposed to be. It here. was a surprise because we did some seat racing and yeah, like I did like did well in the doubles, and I was like, oh. There you go. Like I thought I was, I thought I was bad at yeah. this, and I still don't think I'm great because honestly, like I, I don't, I just don't know what I do with the balance around the finish. It's like every time you're warming up, like arms only, and it's arms only square blades. I'm, I literally just laugh now because I sit there and I go, okay, sorry guys, like my blades are just gonna be scraping the entire time, and we yeah. are gonna wobble, and then we just start rowing, and it's like, oh, it's okay, it's not perfect, but yeah. like it's fine. And does it actually matter that it's not perfect? No, because it's, it's Makes kind sense. of okay. Is so. it fast? Yeah. Like, yeah. is it going fast enough? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just sat here listening, taking this all in because double is actually my favorite boat. Why? So, because uh, <laughs> one, once, he, once, like, he, why? <laughs> once you get the double going, it's what, what, what do you mean? Like, what's what, wrong? Like, what do you, you mean? Me? Like, how do you do that? Okay. So, I really love the double because one, you get, you can like really connect like with the other person when you make a good duo and that double just goes. <laughs> you know, you're just it, it feels like poetry like you, you can zone out you just exist at one with the river in the boat like that in a single i feel that so much more in a single than i do in a double because there's someone else there so you're not actually alone to zone out but you are in a single perfect there's someone else that you so you can zone out because you know they're keeping you honest and accountable so many times in a single right. i just want to like stop and look <laughs> at the surroundings and yeah. do that kind of thing uh, you've got enough. someone that keeps you accountable yeah. and then uh, I can like vibe over with that person but also like the funny thing about like racing in doubles and quads is that not the same ingredients make you fast in the double that make you go fast in the yeah. quad I never did as well in seat racing quads as I did in like doubles matrixes yeah. doubles matrixes at Leander used to be people that were far better than me in like crew boats and then come to quads and seat racing okay see you later yeah. obviously against me but uh, I don't know so you've done quite well at trials that year. And then yeah. how did you know quad was on the cart? Um, so as I said, so if you win trials and then if you win the seat racing, then you're automatically like in the top boat basically. And so that that's what happened. And he said that he wanted the top boat that year to be the quad. Um, so then I didn't have to take part in the seat racing that then formed the quad so then they were just seat racing for the last three seats so mm -hmm. from april trials i was i was told that i was in the boat but then again you never know like you could get injured uh we weren't doing more testing but like had they decided to do more testing and it hadn't gone well then i don't know like maybe they would like mm -hmm. reverse thing with rowing coaches is you know they like they say a lot of the time you know you're safe you're safe and 99 percent of the time like that's right but if unforeseen circumstances happen it's not like they've lied to you by saying yeah. you're fine, you're safe. But like if all of a sudden everything goes tits up and they need to just reshuffle and rejig things, then like you are in jeopardy. So I don't ever really like to be like, okay, they've told me I'm fine, so I'm fine. I would always rather sort of be at least slightly mentally prepared. Yeah. Um, 
then like underprepared in case they all of a sudden were like, haha, jump in, <laughs> off you go. Well, that's the thing. They they can't just put a stake in the ground and then just never have it move because no. you just never know. And like you said, you just never know. Maybe in the last week, something is going to happen on travel arrangements. Someone's passport gets banned. Well, what if I, yeah, like, well, what if I got injured or out of her, like I did this season? Like, what if I got injured right from then to like right, be- right before we flew off for Worlds? Okay, in this, this time round, there was ins and outs, but they, they protected me to an extent and they let me come back into the boat. But like, you should never take that for granted because all the meanwhile, when yes, you're still training and I'm still on the bike or I was swimming this year, et cetera, like all of that stuff, um, everyone else is training hard and they could be a completely different athlete from when you tested yeah. to when you come back. And so if the coaches have seen someone put in a monumental shift and they're all of a sudden like absolutely killing every single piece, then why shouldn't they give that person an opportunity to to prove themselves and test? So I never like to sort of sit there and be like, so-and-so said it's fine, so it's fine. Yeah. Because you can't predict what other people do with their training and you can't predict what's going to happen to you. Absolutely. And even if, say, you won your selection all the way in April, yeah, like you don't just want to feel like you're coasting or getting a free ride these next few months, like no. having like missed talent selections. No, so no that's, that's absolutely the right no. attitude to have. World Championships that year was end of September. So to be like winning in April doesn't really mean anything in comparison to when you're supposed to be trying to win in September. It's almost a different season. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a really so, long time away. So how did the event go? Um, so that year, like, in and out of the call we had quite a lot of injury and illness because covid was in and out i actually got covid after henley because we weren't racing henley that year um we were we had an injury so then i had a great time at henley which my coach said please be careful about and then i ended up catching covid and so then wasn't able to race world cup three um so that was that was annoying so didn't really get to test properly then went to europeans europeans went really well and i think we were not surprised by that but like definitely weren't expecting a goals there because we just hadn't really had the chance to really like test our boat Mm -hmm. and then we got to worlds and we had tried as a crew to focus on the chinese we said into the final we want to beat the chinese so we need to be with them we need to be aware of where they are we need to sort of like hunt them and then i think that whilst it made sense at the time uh, and like that was the right strategy to sort of take. It did sort of cost us, I think, fighting for the silver mm-hmm. because we were so focused on the Chinese. We didn't really see the Dutch come through. And by the time that we had seen them, we didn't have enough time to respond. And we ended up coming third. We were That was a result that we were all still proud of. But it's one of those races where you look back and you kind of think, oh, had we done it this way, would we have come away with a different color medal? I don't think gold was really in question that year just because the Chinese were like had a really good year and, and they'd worked hard, trained hard and they, they earned the result that they mm-hmm. got. But um, I feel like as a, ra- as a race, we we kind of lost out on that silver because we were so fixated on one boat. And that's why coming into this season, we had a lot of chats about like, I don't really care about where any other country is. I don't care if it's, you know, the world Olympic champions. Like we really can't afford to just sort of like pin all of your hopes on one boat because you can lose so much more by just looking in one direction and ignoring everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to make that mistake when it actually matters at the Olympics. So it's good that you can... Yeah, yeah. yeah, But that's it's good that you can like hash out those kind of like tactical things in like the the run-up, I guess, before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like dangers can come from anywhere these days. You know, cruise cruise speeds are changing so much. Swiss rate like 40-something for the whole race. I don't know how they do it, but they're just absolutely like 
demonic on the rate and we're just kind of sat there like 34 is higher than the, the, the swiss use those little the weird we use the mac like the comps. The macos, the comps. The comps. i hate yeah. them but yeah go on no like they're just the, they're just the blades that we chose to use last year because the coaches chat around and are supposed to help with like connection mm -hmm. something something like that and i'm but great I, as well no yeah yeah i thought so <laughs> i think i think they're supposed to make you like be able to like rate higher interesting <laughs> no comment <laughs> could be wrong um, a lot yeah. of bro sires going on here yeah yeah um yeah i just don't like them because i just like normal blades i just i just feel like they look silly yeah, for they one look weird. Sure, yeah. you don't need to care about what they look like but i just feel like they look weird and i don't have any problems i don't think any of us have any problems like connecting with normal blades anyways but we have we have won the world championships with them so we can't can't complain about them really yeah yeah i don't think they slow any boats down i just I just don't know how necessary I think they are. But at the end of the day, I really am not like, I would never be the type of athlete that like breaks down all of the data and was like, see, that actually does give us a speed gain. So I could be ignoring some like pretty yeah. hard facts about Andrews being like, you actually do go faster with these blades. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a reason why we use them. I just, I prefer using the normal blades in my single. Like I won't use those ones in my single. Yeah, it's just what you used to running your entire yeah. life. So yeah. why change? Yeah. Okay, so like literally now having done almost like an entire olympiad cycle in a in a gb team like in and out like obviously under 23 is covid senior two senior worlds mm. how are you preparing for this next season that's just about to start or by the time this episode gets released it will be well underway yeah what are your sides set on and how do you feel coming into it any challenges any things you want to personally work on or uh, capitalize on or maybe like build on from last year so we've got we've got like a limited amount of trials this year to hit because um, because the season is so much shorter than they ordinarily are for us. We've got to like compress everything and instead of sort of dedicating time for you to go out in singles or pairs to then test your speed, to then eventually go into a crew boat, they decided to just, like I think they do this every Olympic year to be honest, they just bypass that bit. And so you've got two trials to hit. We've got November and then there's going to be December and there's some debate around like, what boats December will be in because they might be in like small crew boats or big mm -hmm. crew boats or they might be in singles and pairs I don't know they're not they haven't decided that yet but definitely November in a single so that's the first thing to sort of focus on for the season and yeah I won't focus on like the end of the year in whichever format that comes whether or not I get selected to go to the Olympics like I'm not going to focus on that until like if I'm selected and I'm going, yeah, yeah naturally, that's, yeah, that's come. Or if I'm not selected and then there's a plan for what we're going to do next, then that's that's what I'll deal with um, when that comes to it. So yeah, like same old for me, pretty much. Like each year, focus on whatever I can do to make myself like stronger. Which for me this year won't just be in terms of like my erg scores and stuff, but will also be like my robustness, so I don't get injured. Mm -hmm. um, because I think injury me this year if i can avoid that in any way possible that would just be a win for me in itself yeah. to feel like i'm not sort of like in and out of a crew boat if that was the goal that that would be a win yeah and if you look at your results with injury make take the injury and the time out of the boat out then it's only gonna hopefully, increase yeah not hopefully yeah. definitely 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The reason why I'm asking. They can get bored and just be like, "Oh, this is too much time now." Yeah. This is too easy. This no is stress. Too long. <laughs> I kind of feel well, like going back to the pool. Yeah. Please don't take me back to the pool. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to go on the bike now. Oh, yeah. I, when it's I the what bike? Yeah. Oh, you're you're lucky on a what bike. The first time my bike went, what bike didn't exist? Yeah. yeah, no, or late concept or any bike. We just had like a spin bike, no screen. Oh my god. Just like the ninety minutes, no data. It was horrific. Yeah, that is boring. Yeah, yeah, no, we at least you've got you can look at your watts and you can kind of be like, Oh, I'm doing stronger on email today or like, yeah, no, today's not a good day. Doing something. I, but I always used to think actually like training on the bike, you did get fitter because you would do all the same sessions but never rate capped. Yeah. So like a half hour on the bike was all just out. Flat out. Like, yeah, it was just like Just what? like end yourself. Yeah, where's like, self die. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Really hard. Fit, get your fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the the general reason why I'm like asking that question is like if there are maybe like some other like girls or athletes in your position and like uh -huh. to kind of like as a word of inspiration like i want to do what lola's doing so that's why i was just kind of like okay like how do you approach the next season after this but it makes perfect sense stay yeah stay injury free capitalize get a little bit stronger a little bit better yeah. and just focus on on the day to day well like my main opposition are people that are like in the team you know like and they're my teammates and they're my friends and they're my crewmates from this year but like in order to in order to get selected to go like you have to you have to earn and you have to like win your seat. So for the first half of the year, at least like my main opposition are my friends, which is a really weird feeling to have. Yeah. It's not a unique one. Like everyone in high performance sport, no matter where you are, like you have that, that same sort of problem to deal with. But I think we're very good as a squad, like never letting that like get in the way of like our friendships. And I don't know what this year will be like, because as you say, like this year is a slightly different year. It's not, it's not a world championships. It's Olympics. And there are, seats that we've qualified and there are seats that we're we're looking to qualify um but like it's a it's going to be a stressful year but i'm hoping the same way at newcastle where like we would come together in times of stress to sort of put our our own sort of like egos aside and our own sort of uh aspirations aside to think about what's like good for us as a team and a squad like i hope we have the same atmosphere this year yeah because that's the way that you get successful teams like nobody Nobody is like a winning team. Like you can get a winning boat, but like if you want a team to do well, you need the squad to be happy. And yeah. the only way is they're happy is if you feel like you're supported and not, I don't know, like beating each other down. Absolutely. I think yeah. I think you've absolutely nailed that. And looking from the outside in, GB is looking really strong. That year looks to be like very promising. So like obviously it's, that, it's down to the hard work that you guys and the team and like everyone else around the edges like will put in. But uh from the spectator's point of view, it's like very exciting to, to see what's going to come out in Paris. No pressure. <laughs> well, I might be spectating, so don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't. I'll see you there. I'll just be in the crowds, just like, woo. Don't think about that yet. <laughs> I got some croissants. Delicious. Just keep, stick to the process. Like you said, you've worked out what works for you and just keep doing that. Like um, from experience, um, you know, speaking to other people, Olympic year is obviously always a bit of a step up, but. I think that's just the same way. Just uh, the pressure comes, a bit more pressure, a bit more intensity, like helps performance. And like you said, if you stick together, work as a team, like trust in your previous performances. Yeah. Don't worry too much about the double. I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> that it's just kind of like, uh, I, we've been forewarned that this year is going to be really intense and we're not really going to have any time to do anything, but row, blah, 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 blah. So that was part and parcel of my reason why instead of deciding to go away, like abroad for holiday I wanted to just see my friends and sort of have that social recharge like see family see friends that 
like it's quite hard to fit that in in your normal like rowing life because even when you have time sometimes you're mentally and physically like shattered and all you want to do is just sort of recharge on your own like Mm. you don't want you don't feel like you've actually had a break by going out and socializing because sometimes even that is like a little bit too much Mm. um so i wanted to do that whilst i had the energy um but yeah like olympic year is going to be a step up but hopefully no more no more so than in the sense of going from juniors to newcastle and like newcastle to molsey and molsey to leander and then into the team like all of these steps that you make as rowers and athletes like they do teach you about how you sort of adapt to all these changes mm-hmm. so i'm hoping i'm hoping i have famous last words that it's going to be okay <laughs> yeah it, you're approaching it all with the right attitude you know you've got a good sense of like where, where you are at and what you want to get it's out of it me like three weeks time when i'm in middle of one of andrew's hell weeks and then ask me how i'm doing then but right now i'm fresh so i'm like optimistic and it's a sunshine and rainbow rowing day but in three weeks time maybe i'm gonna be sat there like everything hurts and i don't want to talk about it (laughs) that's absolutely fair enough um cool i guess let's ask you some quick fire round questions oh my gosh (laughs) the quick questions they don't have to be quick answers like a quiz is it it's not like (laughs) Uh, who won the no, bronze no. medal in 2003 world? If I was Lauren Henry, I'd be able to tell you that. She knows everything about all rowing dates and like all of it. I think we should put her on it. You should. Out, like you out. ask her like times, percentages, dates, people who were in the boat. Like she can name it all. Like all of it. Okay. So here's, here's a, um, a message out to our listeners. If you know someone else is equally as knowledgeable as Lola claims Lauren Henry is, she's let's put first. them together and let's organize a little panel show, kind of like game and see who's the bigger ring. Honestly, I, I, I'm just saying this now. You will not find anyone that knows more than Lauren Henry. I'm, I'm challenging you on that. You will not find anyone who knows more. Sounds challenge. Accept the <laughs> chat. Do, do your thing. <laughs> okay, quick fires. Um, what's your favorite boat type? Uh, oh, gosh single yeah single <laughs> okay any particular reason um so i i really love racing in quads because you've got that support but just in the day-to-day general rowing i just find being on my own in a single like quite therapeutic because mm-hmm. i don't have any stress about am i rowing well enough for my teammates or expectations that i like have to live up to them like i can row badly i can row well it doesn't really matter for me it's just about like being out and alone like it's a really nice sort of zen like therapeutic mindset for me so that's why that makes sense yeah what are some of your favorite rowing venues that you've either trained at raced at or visited um varese is cool to be fair i do really like varese and um a viz is nice as well it's like something about these and like varese isn't quite as big as a viz in terms of like the lake size and where you can go um but yeah, I like rowing because it makes you feel like quite distant and quite like separated from like the rest of the world. So when you're in like quite remote areas and just like alone or in small boats paddling along, like it, it can be quite like a cool moment to stop and be like, who would have thought rowing would take me here? Oh, I love it. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Never been yet, but uh, at some point I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go and visit. Yeah. Um, next question uh what are some of the races that you'd like to do again when you're 60 or 70 like a regatta that you'd like to repeat or maybe like a race you'd like to relive am i gonna be rowing when i'm 60 or 70 um probably yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) no one one gets out (laughs) stop 
Is relationship that t- that's still going strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, t- what sort of marriage anniversary is that? God. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like some of the races along the Thames were always quite fun. There, I feel like there's some short ones, short like regatta runs that you can do that are literally like 500, 600 meters. Actually, also probably like Rutherford Head, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. That would be really funny to go back and do with like an alumni eight and just sort of smash up and down. Time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, the question I ask is if you could travel back in time oh, no. to the age you were when you first <laughs> fell in love with Rowan. Yeah. 13-year-old Lola. 13-year-old Lola. <laughs> what advice would you give her? Um don't don't take it too seriously. Like I think that whilst I don't actually ch- I don't really want to change that learning process that I had to go through because I feel like it gives you confidence to know that you have learned something and you have adapted. Um, yeah, like it, it probably would have been nice had I not had to sort of cry and on my way to training one day because I was so stressed out from my own sort of pressure and expectations when, as I said, everyone around me at that club at Newcastle were just trying to get me to see like see myself for how they saw me Mm. which was just like a happy normal girl didn't need to sort of put the the weight of the world on my shoulders so yeah just just chill out great one yeah great advice absolutely last question uh that will be who are some of your rowing idols or heroes or people you've looked up to during your career okay so my big sister was one to start off with just because they say like that was that sort of competitivity like mm. from day one to be like yeah okay i want to do that uh-huh. um i then like when i was starting to row um and bill came in to sort of push me and like sort of challenged me a bit more looking at um emma twig she yeah. was yeah. really cool because you know he was like showing me videos of people rowing in singles and saying like you see how she does that really well and you see how she does that really well so he would always show me pictures of like kim crow and uh, oh, videos of like emma twig and i just because my dad was half kiwi i was like oh. yeah well my dad was kiwi but born and raised in zimbabwe i was like oh, the kiwi one I, I think she's really cool mm-hmm. and so i like always followed her rowing and so to see her yeah. like win that was that was cool um and then maybe i also shout out just Leyden. I, I was I was obsessed. We were all obsessed with Jess growing up because every time you go to those like Nottingham GB rowing team like weekends, they would always show like technical video of like this is what good scumming looks like. And it was always Jess. Yeah. It was always Jess. And I was there like, wow, like she's perfect. And then yeah, fast forward, I was being offered to run a double with her and I was like, this is too intense. I mess it up. So I think we can probably yeah. understand then why yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my yourself. God. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny that you mentioned like those three people in particular, like Kim yeah. Crow, Emma Twig, and and Jess Layden. Because yeah. like in terms of like if I was to like point out female scholars yeah. or single scholars in particular, like when I was rowing, those are the three that I've also like looked up to, as well as Vicky Thornley, obviously yeah. at that time. But yeah, yeah, like Twiggy would definitely love to have her on the podcast. Yeah. And I mean, Kim, I think is everyone knows Vicky in that sense as well. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, she's she's epic. She's a star. Yeah. And then I was obviously, trying to go with less mainstream options because I was like trying to be different, but <laughs> yeah, Vic, awesome. like Vicky, yeah, no, as a, as a young girl, because I was like, oh, everyone knows Vicky, so I want to know, I want to show people that I know rowing by saying some names that people won't know, but I still ended up picking up like the most mainstream people because <laughs> it's like Olympic champion, Olympic champion, world champion. Not at the time though. No, but 
she was on her way and everyone yeah, knew that. Yeah. yeah. Everyone just pick them that. early. Yeah. <laughs> Good early pick. That's, that's yeah. true. Who's your rowing idol? Kiwi Pear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Is that too easy? Exactly. Yeah. I feel like we've promised you like a, a chat, but it did actually turn out to be like a little bit interview. Like we got to ask you some like Sorry. really cool questions now, but no, I've absolutely like enjoyed picking your brain and getting like some answers, like an actual insight into what it's like to, you know, progress through your career. And also like, it's nice to like catch up, obviously like, it's been quite a few years since I've seen you at yeah, uni. Yeah. But no, it's it's absolutely awesome to like see you doing well and oh, like winning, coming away from like world stages of like gold medals and like just very excited to like see what next year is going to bring and like obviously wish you all the best. Like fingers fingers crossed for the selection. <laughs> touch wood, <and> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> touch wood, yeah. But yeah. like would love to see you in Paris and just wish Would'd you best you? of luck. Thank you so Thank much you. for the chat. Thank you very much for having me. All right, mate. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming <laughs> it's on. It's fun to catch up with everyone as well. Just hope I didn't like ramble or no. like <laughs> overshare my overthinking. Not at all. I no, thought all. In- incredibly well spoken. Yeah, like, no, well. I think it's so important. Like, and it's so important for people to hear. Like you said, like we all have suffered at times on our own, and like, yeah, um, it's so easy to see the finished, the finished result. I mean, you know, oh, she won well as one Wales. That's amazing. You know, like she's amazing, and it's like, but there's all this stuff that goes into it, and well, someone whole crew, obviously, as well. In that sense, like, yeah, it's yeah, never, yeah. it's never like, yeah. It's, it's never to be taken for granted but like to have like a crew that was so like we all managed to like find something about each other that we could respect get along with enjoy each other's company like that makes it all the more enjoyable as yeah. well there's so much more that goes into it and that's what fascinates me about it and i've always i think the journey is so much more important and i think if if we can by doing this if we can help other people like deal with some of those tougher bits yeah um by realizing they're not alone then like that's that's awesome so like yeah and i think you're, you sharing your story is is really really cool it's been awesome to hear and yeah best of best of luck for the next year thank you <laughs> yeah and hopefully at some point we can get you back on a podcast and uh chat yeah. some more crap about rowing yeah let's see see what's happened maybe i'll be in the pool instead of rowing but yeah let's see what's happened <laughs> i'm only saying that because i'm superstitious i'm not planning to go in the pool yeah that's okay you yeah. can go in the pool like after after sessions yeah so, like not not Just a start of mind yeah <laughs> awesome i think that concludes everything for today's episode so on that note easy there cue the music